Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. morning wake up squad and grind rising and happy hump day all that together later author economist dr julian malveaux will return to our classroom now, dr malveaux will touch on several issues including her research into lynching reparations and closing the wealth gap dr malveaux will also talk about her book surviving and thriving 365 facts in black economic history for dr malveaux detroit activist sister shoshana shakur will discuss the perils of young people getting involved in the rap music game before sister shoshana though dr afria emerson will issue a report on black women's health 2024 but to get us started chicago actors pastor anthony williams is here pastor williams happy new year welcome back to the program Oh man, happy New Year's to you and all the wonderful on wonderful listeners, uh, Brother Nelson. Yeah, Pastor Williams, uh, the Democratic Convention is going to be held in your city uh, this summer, and I understand that you're trying to get reparations and violence placed on the uh, placed on the agenda. Tell us about that. I, I I'm I'm working. I was I'm working with a group of young people serious young people in the Chicago land area who are saying, you know, democratic convention is coming. We see what's going in the country. Uh, uh, we as citizens got to step forward. And so I'm just happy to be working with them who are focusing on this issue of reparations and also the issue of American violence being a public health crisis, American civilian violence being a public health crisis. So, it's going to be challenging, but I think it's going to be positive. It's going to be have an impact on the nation. Right. And, you know, the politicians will say that, are you taking this to the Democrats or are you going to take this to the Republicans as well? Well, the bottom line is thus far, you know, uh, the young people are still still uh, uh, contemplating in terms of their strategy, but they want the American Congress to know you know, what their position is. So I would assume the young people are talking about both political parties. Okay. The issue of reparations, you know, it's, it's we've been discussing this since we've been here, that we, we deserve reparations. And some of the counter arguments is that the country's broke, it can't afford it. What do you say when, when people express those thoughts? Uh, I say, well, you know, that's your opinion. But every every conscious uh, black American citizens, American descendants of slavery, uh, realize that reparations is due to us. And uh, there, there's no debate about reparations. And a simple example is the fact that Reagan gave reparations to the Japanese who were in internment camps. So, you know, that 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 position is, is solid. You know, we we must have our reparations. 
It's not going to hurt America. It's going to help America. So, you know, I don't, I, I, there's no debate on reparations. It's due, and we must continue to be relentless as it relates to that issue. But nothing's going to take place until we get to the to the, to the crust of the problem. The fact is that we've got to face this this violence that's taking place in America that's spiraling out of control each day. All right, let's talk about the violence, uh, Pastor Williams. The, the violence is taking place. People are saying that we're doing it amongst ourselves. We're, we're killing ourselves. We're fighting amongst ourselves. So it's it's our problem to solve. Having said that, are you getting support from any elected officials, whether it be members of the Black Caucus, whether it be in Illinois, in your state, or in your city of Chicago? Are the black elected officials or the black clergy, civil rights officials, are they coming to your support with this issue? Well, you know, uh, uh, to a degree, yes, and, and to a degree, no, because of the fact is that, you know, uh, sometimes people put their priorities in other things. But, you know, for me, for me, Mr. Nelson, the issue right now is that so the importance of of our survival, black folks' survival in America, is to address this issue of of, of, of violence like never before, because I'm not going to look for the status quo to to solve the issues. As a matter of fact, you know, you got decent white folk that can't stop Donald Trump out here. You know, and you see the type of violence that that he spews out of his mouth each and every day on our television set. So, you know, the number one problem in the 21st century is violence. Until we address this this Leviathan and deal with it properly with the right formula, we're going to continue what we what, what we get. And it's not just spiraling in the black community; it's an all community. You know, mass shootings, robbery carjacking and so you know one of my thrusts is to push to push towards a civil society we've got to be civil in order to be able to to make it out here and right now you know the uh, many of our elected officials many of the bulk of them you know they 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 they, they turn their heads to other things instead of addressing this issue properly they support programs that have no measurables but they continue to act like as though nothing is happening so, I mean, until we address structural violence in this nation, we're going to continue to what we have. We, we've got to be serious about this issue, and we're not—it's it's, it's just it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, the response that we get from elected officials is, is very superficial. All right. It's eight after the top of the hour. By the way, uh, family, schools are open in D.C. and Baltimore on the two-hour delay, so no, you have to go back to the classroom today after having a day off because of the weather. Uh, also, schools are closing in Detroit and Chicago is really yesterday. I'm not sure if they're open today. Our listeners out there, let me know. But anyway, Pastor Williams, we, we have a lot of new listeners. Can you tell us what your theory is, your theory in solving this violence problem? Can you roll it out for us again? Yeah, let me, let me, let me, share, let me share for the listening audience. Uh, on April the 27th uh, in 2021, uh, I introduced... Governor J.B. Prisker, the governor of Illinois, to sign the Illinois Health Reform Bill. And people can look that up, which in the state of Illinois, violence is declared a public health crisis. The bill got signed. They put funding to the bill. But yet the enforcement of the bill is not being uh, 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 pushed. It's not being enforced. So I had to, once again, go back and push for oversight and at the same time push 
at the federal level to have hearings too. So, you know, there's always that resistance, but you, know, you had to be, you had to be diligent. And so, uh, uh, when we talk about how do you deal with violence, you know, one of the things in the formula is that first of all, like with COVID or any other, uh, uh, disease because violence is a disease you had to inform the public you had to educate people what this is uh, vi- uh violence has many levels it has many tentacles so you had to educate the fact that violence is a disease but not a contagion but infectious so you had to educate people number two you had to p- collaboration when you talk about collaboration we're talking about looking at structural violence when you look at the american system particularly in terms of his response to black folks in this country. Every system in America has been violent towards black folks. So we have to look at structural violence because the, the reality is is that the implosions that we see uh, around this issue is, is based on structural violence. Number three, civility. That is so important right now to get people to understand the importance of being being civil uh, with oneself, with each other, et cetera. And then lastly, uh, we talk about public policy. We talk about redirecting the funding. So the thing is, there are there is a formula to address the issue of violence. It's just it's just the will of our elected officials. You know, everybody acts as though, you know, it's just you're going to wake up one day and you're going to not hear about the type of violence that's occurring in this country. As a matter of fact, Mr. Nelson, when you talk about global violence, I don't know if you saw last week I was watching the TV where uh, a gang of men in El Salvador uh, took over a, a television station, held them hostage, because their position was is that they were trying to free a gang leader down in El Salvador and so you, I'm watching the gangs uh, in combat with the with the with the government of El Salvador fighting the military. So I mean, it's uh, it's so bizarre the behavior that we see amongst humankind uh, when we uh, celebrate Dr. King's day. He would be appalled to see this type of behavior that's occurring uh, in in the world that we live in. Something that he personally gave his life for that we would be nonviolent, but yet I understand that human beings are messy creatures and paradoxical, but if we are going to be able to maintain some type of balance on this planet and in this nation, we must address the issue of violence correctly. And my goal is to demonize violence, to, to dumb it down, to let people know this is something that, that, that we don't need except when, when it comes to the issue of self-defense, and I say defend yourself. But when you, when people were just, you know, being violent for no reason, then that's a that's a whole different issue. But it's it can be addressed, and we must address it. It's having the will to do it. And I got to ask you this: as a man of the cloth, though, how do you, how is this something that you talk about from the pulpit, or is this something that that's, that's you know that you do sort of like like a side gig, if you will? <laughs> no. Every day, unfortunately, you know, I'm having some type of conversation around the issue of violence, whether it's in the pulpit, whether it's in the streets, whether it's in a bar, uh, or whether it's uh, in somebody's home. You know, I'm steady talking to people. And, and I've got to, personally, I've got to step my game up because 
you know, there has to be voices and a voice out here that has to address this issue correctly and intelligently and put the pressure on our elected officials to address the issue correctly. But I also understand that violence is big business, too, so I'm not naive about the type of resistance that I get as, as it relates to uh, uh, resolving the issue and bringing forth solutions, and that you find that the status quo uh, uh, is in denial of of the issue and, and, and in denial almost of the solution, but you have to keep forwarding on. Citizenship is so important right now. And I say to black Americans, you know, we must use our citizenship card. Unfortunately, and fortunately, black folks have always saved America from itself. And whether we like it or not, black folks are going to save America. If not, <laughs> America's in trouble. It's going to take black folks. Right. Hold that thought right there, Pastor. We're going to take a short break here. Hold that thought right there. I'll let you continue on that trend when we get back. We take our first break, 14 after the top there. Family, you want to join this conversation about the violence in our community, what to do. If you've got a, if you've got a solution like the Pastor has, reach out to us and share it with us as well at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB. If you're in the DMV, run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 W-O-L, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. We're discussing violence and what to do about it. It's in our community, and, you know, we just can't. It's like the elephant in the room. We just walk by, and then nobody says anything about it. But there are some people trying to do some things about the violence in our community. One of them is our guest this morning, Pastor Anthony Williams out of Chicago, using his pulpit and using his influence to bring the issue of violence on to the front forefront. So, uh, Pastor Williams, I'll let you finish your thought. And then Mark in Baltimore has, has a question for you. Okay, I'm. I, I, I finished my thought. I'm, I'm, I'll take the question. I listen to the question. All right, let's go to Mark on line two. Good morning, Mark. Uh, yes, good morning, gentlemen. And by the way, I hope everyone had a meaningful King Holiday observance earlier this week. My question is: I'm part of a local civic association here in my community, here in uh, the upper northwest section of Baltimore City. And my question is: uh, my community is interested in uh, helping uh, young people, you know, achieve. The, the, the great uh, uh, success that they want to be in a positive light. And I want to know how can we in our civic association, our community, help them out, you know, to defer them from violence and all that. Do you have anything for uh, organizations like ours as far as how can we achieve the, the goal of uh, anti-violence and everything? Uh, what do you say? Thank you. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. 
Pastor Williams? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and, I and let me just remind that. Pastor Williams, Mark is from, from the Jewish community as well, and, and but he's calling in because he sees the violence. You know, it, it's it's all over. So I'll let you, uh, let me preface uh, uh, that before you respond. Uh, well, go ahead. Uh, what, 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 hey, look, right now, all hands on deck. I mean, it's going to take all citizens who care, citizens who are conscious, and citizens who want to do something. I encourage them in terms of whatever state you're in is that push for legislation. Call for hearings on violence as a public health crisis. If he can get those young people in his community to engage uh, in that noble cause, that's where you start. You have to start on the legislative end. A perfect example, you know, uh, King and the the authentic heroes and sheroes of the civil rights movement, uh, they knew that they had to do more than just march, that they had to get legislation passed. That's why they did what they did is to change the dynamics, social dynamics of this country. And while we still have the rule of law, and a person like Trump is trying to dismantle the rule of law, we must act, and you do it through a legislative process. Remember, elected officials work for you. You don't work for them. Uh, You engage them. You you send them an email. You call them. You put it on paper, and you request hearings. And nine times out of ten, you will get the hearings if you're if your subject matter is right, if your issue matters is correct, they had to respond. They just can't. They just can't push it off, Brother Nelson. And so I would say that gentlemen, those young people need to call for hearings on 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 violence as a public health crisis. All they had to do was look at the information of the CDC. All they had to do was look at the medical uh, information of the medical community. It's not like we don't have information. It's having the will to act once you obtain the information. That's what we did. When the CDC said that violence was a public health crisis, when I first read that some 20 years ago, I I went to work and I've been working since, and I'm not going to stop working. So uh, a perfect example is in Highland Park in Illinois. If you remember, Brother Nelson, uh, on 4th of July, a, a, a demented young person shot and killed uh, uh, a lot of people in Highland Park, Illinois, an affluent Jewish community that's in a bubble. Well, their bubble was no longer there anymore. And uh, I reached out to them, and, and, and they were hesitant to respond. But I shared with them what we had done in Illinois, and I thought that they would respond to that accomplishment, but they didn't. But, you know, you let people know what's going on and you keep moving on, shake the dust off your feet. To that gentleman, I say, do what we did in Illinois, have those young people call for hearings on violence as a public health crisis, recognize that violence is a disease, but not a contagious, infectious, but it is a disease, and it can be dealt with. All right, 26 after the top of the hour. And just to underscore, family, Pastor Williams marched or walked, uh, if you will, from Chicago to Washington, D.C., to, to draw attention to the fact of violence. And and he's one of the few people who are doing something about violence because it seems like it's so ingrained in American society. This country was built on violence. Having said all of that, though, Pastor Williams, that's a, that's a, a tall mountain to climb. How are you going to convince? Because this seems that the proclivity for violence just 
permeates through all many of Americans. People, you know, people overseas when they hear about shootings and mass shootings and the shootings in your in your city, it seems like it's like a, a weekend scorecard. How many people got shot? How many were fatalities? It's, it seems like it's a numbers game, and they, and they, their vision. These are some of our listeners from overseas now. Telling their vision is that they think it's the entire United States is like the wild, wild west. Everybody's packing. Step on somebody's toe, it's on. So that that's their vision, and I don't know how far away they are from that because those things do happen. But how do we change that culture around? I guess that's where I'm going. Well, I mean, we we change the mindset by each one teach one. Uh, it might sound simple. But each one teach one, each one reach one, but also our institutions. Our institutions have to step up to the plate. We need all hands on deck on this critical issue that will destroy us all. But I'm going to continue to say to all, reach out to you, particularly your, to, to your government officials, and you can press the issue and ask one question. Do you know that violence is a public health crisis in this country? They can't deny it. And when you talk to them, they say, well, what do we do? The bottom line is you'd be surprised a lot of them don't know what to do. So I simply say thank you for allowing me to say this. I say to all citizens, call your representative and ask for hearings on violence is a public health crisis. They had to respond. And if anyone has problems with the process, they can call me and I will share with them what I did in Illinois. But each state is different. You would have great resistance in a place like Texas to hold hearings on violence as a public health crisis. You would have great resistance in a state like Florida in terms of violence as a public health crisis because their governors are. Uh, they portray violence in every way, each and every day down there. I mean, you have Abbott sending sending migrants to the northern sanctuary city. And believe me, New York, Chicago, it's a mess right now in terms of constantly sending migrants in here and putting that type of burden on taxpayers, putting that type of burden on the city. So, I mean... It's like uh, who's who is what well, is no. It's like who's in control of saying the asylum? Who's in charge of the saying the asylum out here now in America? So we as citizens had to be constitutionally sound, and we had to make the difference. It's not we had to make the difference. No what, no matter what kind of resistance you get, don't give up. But Nelson, this ain't the time to give up because ours. And I say this. I start with my community. I respect. Love all humanity, except for reprobates. God can't do nothing with them. But right now, as citizens, we must step up to the plate because our very lives are in danger. And the black community must circle the wagons because they're not going to be playing with us. So I, I see what's coming if we don't act now. And we need to act like damn citizens right now in this country. That's our problem. We sit back, something happens. I'm talking about intelligent citizens. You know, it's something mean, we got to survive in this country. And right now, it doesn't look good. Now, I'm more optimistic than pessimistic. But at the same time, if you don't do nothing about your problem, you're going to get what you get. That's the issue, common sense. 
Yeah, 30 minutes after the top of the Pass. So, you know, we, since we're throwing politics, Donald Trump is threatening that if he's reelected, he's going to send in the military to take care of the violence. Is that is that an avenue you think would work? Uh, what, what What's going to happen? You're going to get martial law. And that's a whole different type of animal right there. I don't I don't think it's necessary. You know, violence begets violence. There is a formula to deal with it, and it's called civility. I mean, the highest form of civility is nonviolence. King understood that he was clearly, he was clear. You know, uh, you know, when you look at it, the most successful campaigns are nonviolent campaigns. They do work, but it's the discipline to do it. So you know, I, I don't. I, I I I'm a person. I I practice civility. I'm still trying to get there. And I'm still trying to achieve uh, uh, what I believe is the the ultimate goal is to be nonviolent. But to be civil is me. I stay in my lane and you stay in your lane. And right now we've got we need civil behavior in this country. Let me jump in here and ask you this then. So you you you'd be opposed if. If, if the governor of Illinois says, I'm going to bring in the National Guard to take care of the problems in Chicago, that, that would be a no for you? That would be a no for me. That would be a no. And people have suggested that. And then I tell people, you understand, that if they step in, you have martial law. That means they can come in your house and do whatever. They search your house or pull you out your house. You have no control over your environment, over yourself, over your property, over nothing, because they come in and they take over. That's not necessary. The issue is, is to get out here and begin to tell people the truth. And I mean, it's time to face the truth on the fact that what this is. I mean, every day, I mean, people riding mass transportation in our urban cities, getting the cars, getting robbed, getting carjacked. So we've accepted abnormal behavior as a normal behavior. This is not the way I want to see my grandchildren and other people's children grow up. This is what they're living with now. It's a way of life, and we accept this 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 sick reality. Uh, right. I, I'm not I'm not accepting it. All right, we're coming up on a break. Well, let me ask you this, and I'll let you respond when we get back. What What do you say to the businesses? You look at cities like Oakland and San Francisco. The businesses are leaving those cities because of, of one part of the reasons because of the violence in there. People are getting mugged, and the people are robbing their stores. You know, so they're packing up and they're leaving. And, and many business people, well, not many, but some business people, look forward to having the National Guard patrolling so they can stay in business. So, what do you say to the business people when it comes to violence? Is there something else other than because you're you, you right, it leads to martial law. But is there something else that can be done to stem the violence? And I'll let you respond when we get back from the short break. Family, you want to join this conversation with our guest, Pastor Anthony Williams out of Chicago? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 at AM 1450. WOL, or information, is power. And good morning, family, and thanks for rolling with us this morning. It's uh, 24 minutes away from the top of the hour. Before we uh, continue with Dr. Uh, Reverend Anthony Williams out of Chicago, let me just uh, remind you, schools are open in Baltimore and D.C. We're on a two-hour delay after yesterday's uh, the closure because of the weather. Later this morning, we're going to hear from economist and author Dr. Julianne Malveaux. Also coming up, we're going to speak with uh, Sister Shoshana Shakur. We're going to talk about the perils of young people getting involved in the rap music game and some of the stuff that she's talking about uh, Pastor Williams is about the, the, the music, and we'll talk about that momentarily. Also, 
uh, Dr. Afria Anderson will join us. She's going to issue a report card for Black Women's Health for 2024. So, and and uh, let's see, next later uh, tomorrow, actually, appeals Dr. Kalichi Igwin will join us, and also chemitologist Tony Browder will be here. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Okay, Pastor Wims, the, the, the business people, have they said anything? Have they chimed in other than, you know, the threatening the, to move like they're doing in Oakland and San Francisco out of the Bay Area because of all the crime. Are they, are they, uh, and some I've heard some in the DMVs welcoming the, the National Guard for the crime. Are, are they, have they bought into what you're saying as a way to, to solve the crime issue? Uh, I've had the experience of talking to prominent business organizations and their heads in the sand in Chicago land community. Uh, some of them care. Uh, some of the problem is, is that it's every man for himself, and that's not going to work. I, I sat down with the Chicago Land Chamber of Commerce, and uh, when they talk to you, they agree uh, with you in front of your face, but when you turn your back, then they are uh, 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 pushing for, we need more policing. We need more. That's not going to do it. You know, the more you call in the police, the more you talk about bringing in the military, the more you erode your civil liberties. You take away your own personal freedom. The business community, they seek to try to, uh, 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 <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for, to, to satisfy themselves by grabbing people in the community that uh, I would call one-trick ponies. Uh, they go out and select certain black folks that they feel can give them insight on this problem of, of, of violence. And uh, basically, it's just a, another just a political cover-up. So the business community needs to step up to the plate. And all they have to do, all people have to do, Brother Nelson, is follow the science. There's science with this, too. All they have to do is read the stuff that the CDC is putting out. Read, see what the medical community is saying. The, the, the scientific community, the medical community, is letting us know what this is. They put it out there. It's there. It's no secret that it's, it's there. But yet, in terms of the information being becoming uh, stalwart in all the other institutions, they deny that, that, this is, that, that this is really a problem. We have other things to think about, the economy. Well, you ain't going to have no economy with all this type of violence going on. When people get robbed at going to work, when businesses are being robbed, when people are taking vehicles and smashing businesses, and, and you know this type of behavior, we cannot have a lawless society. It's not healthy. And the only way we're going to get America healthy and get ourselves healthy is go ahead and resolve this issue. And our elected officials, our institutions, the majority of them, are are, are just hunching their shoulders. What do we do? Well, all we did was just take a page out of out of, out of, out of King's playbook and got some legislation passed. And it's much easier to do now than it was then. Man, that that was a struggle. So we got to act like citizens. And, and so the business community, they got to step up to the plate, too. 
You know, we talk a lot about, and you've mentioned, we talked about the, the non-response, if you will, from the religious, civil rights, you know, the black community period, the people. But what about law enforcement? Are they are they tagging onto this or are they just, okay, you hey, know, man, for them, they, it's job they, security. They, they, what are your thoughts? No, no, law enforcement, the persons I talk to, law enforcement, they're more, they're conscious of, of, of what uh, I've been trying to do and what I have done. They're very aware, and half of them agree with it. Half of them agree with it, but they got a job. But the decision makers, they uh, they play possum with you. So you have to just continue to wake the old possum up. Because every day something is happening. As cold as it is, folks out here killing the rock. As cold as it is, you know, it used to be a time, you know, the crooks would take a break. Got a wrongdoers would take a break. But right now, I mean, the mental health of this country, all of it, the mental health, all of this is, 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 is connected. Now, the bottom line is, theologically, I let people know what the Scripture said, that violence is, is Satan's greatest weapon. I come to steal, kill, and destroy. But yet the solution lies in Habakkuk when he tells Habakkuk to write, write the picture, write the story, and make it plain that those who read it may run. And right now, we have a solution. It's the will of the institutions. That's that's what I'm battling. That's what I'm facing. Because if we don't have the hear if we don't have the hearings, then my next step is we can't have federal hearings, then we go to the United Nations and make it a case. Mm-hmm. South Africa, who freed itself nonviolently because Mandela understood that enough violence had taken place. And that's why when he became president, he called people together for for uh, uh, truce and reconciliation. And America definitely needs some truth and reconciliation right now because the behavior of our elected officials is unacceptable. When they spew out hatred, when they spew out the violent rhetoric that they spew out, it's unhealthy. Right now, our president is signing executive order on American civilian violence as a public health crisis, and we need a national plan of civility. We can do that right now. Right now, he could do that. So why 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 do you think he hasn't? I know you've sent him letters. Is still no response? Man, look, he sent me a letter back talking about I don't know. He put, he didn't write it. His staff talking about thank you for praying for the president, <laughs> and I laughed. Man, I still got the letter right now. I still got to, because the fact is, man, is that this is the most experienced man that has ever sat in the Oval Office, uh, Joseph Biden. Uh, I understand how he violated the black community. I'm clear on how he violated us with the uh, with the Clinton crime bill. But he said, I couldn't have did it without the help of the black caucus. That was his justification. And they did help him. So there's a lot of repenting to go around right now. But I believe before the presidential election, he is going to have to face this issue of civilian violence as a public health crisis. How it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, I can't tell you. But it's going to happen before the presidential election. If the president of the United States has the common sense and says, American people, we can't live like this. And we got to understand that this is a public health issue. You got to say the word crises. 
and we need a national plan of civility. Well, guess what? He'd, he'd mess up Donald Trump then. He'd mess him up with a move like that because they're not civil people right now. I mean, we don't have uh, we don't have civility in, in, anymore in our, in our federal government. And by the grace and mercy of God, we hanging on, man, because next year, me and you might not be having this conversation because they yeah. will take control of the media. Here's a man who's talking about becoming a dictator. Now, that fool, whatever he says out of his mouth, he means what he says. He means when he, when he says, I'm just joking. No, he ain't joking. He's proved us he ain't joking. We saw January 6th, a violent act against the government. Who does that? So when you see this meltdown, we had to address the issue of civilian violence as a public health crisis. That's why we need a national plan of civility. No society, no civilization can move forward with this type of behavior. Let me jump in here, 13 away from the top. Let me ask you this, though. You know, when we look at our community, we see the influence of, of the music or the entertainment industry that glorifies violence. Uh, have you reached out to any of the, the movie, uh, the record companies who, who, who put this, this, this kind of music out that influence our young people? Have you, you talked, had a conversation or with some of the uh, shot callers in, in the rap industry? Well, the bottom line is a lot of young brothers and sisters they know what I do, and I, I talk with them, and, you know, they, you know, once I get them insight on the subject matter, I just tell them to carry it on. But th the key thing is, is that, you know, I just believe that the Lord going to put me where we need to get to put this message out. And then it starts with you. Man, you made my new year. Allow me to come on your show and talk about this issue. And I say to all the listeners, I will start with my community first. I am a product of a black community. I'm a product of a black church. I'm a product of a black college. And I'm proud of that. And when I was growing up in Chicago, I was told to make your community better because we're these people. We can do better than what we're doing. I say to my community, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to save America. We've got to be intelligent citizens. We've got to be voting. We've got to be making making sure that our elected officials are pushing legislation that has our interests. But what we do, we go to sleep. Those folks trying to survive. I'm trying to pay my light bill, my gas bill. I understand the realities out here, but we want to be conscious citizens right now. Black folks want to be conscious citizens because America's history is who do they violate first? They violate black folks. What does the word violence mean? It means to violate, to violate. And so the thing is, we just got to work to try to make things healthy right now. Who can argue with that? And you have to stand up against these these these, these demons who, who want the country to go backwards. Man, Trump, yeah, man, imagine this guy taking power again, what America would be like. It's frightening to think about it. Well, let me, let me jump in here on, on that note, too, because you, we saw what you mentioned January 6th. And, and, you know, Donald Trump says that was just a demonstration. It, it, it wasn't a riot or whatever it was. He, he, he tried to, you know, 
downplay what happened on January 6th. And, and his supporters are, are promising that if he's not reelected, there, there is going to be violence. How are you going to get to that segment of our community to, 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 to teach them or tell them or explain to them that, that violence is, is, is a problem? How are you going to reach them? Well, the bottom line is, <laughs> that's a good question. Something, something will occur, and you'll know in the near future that you're going to say, "Okay, this is this is what's happening." That's a good thing. So, you know, we are still strategizing in terms of really getting the reach out there, because man, this takes a lot of time, and I don't get no government grants, man, or no personal grants. I use my resources to move around the country to educate people. I have a, a, a part-time administrator, so it's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work. But yet, you know, the good Lord will, will make a way, man. And uh, well, well, Having said that, though, Pastor, what drives you? Because you, you could be like the rest of the rest of us. The violence is there, and we feel like there's nothing we can do about it. It's one of these things. Uh, it's as American as apple pie, as you know, as, as Rap Brown taught us. And people just look the other way because it's so, as I mentioned earlier, it's so ingrained in American society. What, what makes you believe you can turn this around? What is driving you? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Uh, it's an unfortunate assignment, man. It's an unfortunate assignment. What I do, I wouldn't put it on the dog. And in the process, you know, I received a grant uh, almost 20 years ago to study violence. Uh, I was fresh at it, wasn't a lot of information. Fast forward, at the end of my uh, research, I saw the need that we needed to have hearings. I went to uh, black elected officials, and they looked at me as though I was talking Chinese. Fast forward again. The closest person to me on this earth got killed, my son, Nehemiah. Closest person to me at 35. And from there, things escalated because I was passing a predominantly white church in Berwyn, Illinois, a town that they used to hang black folks in if you came in there. Berwyn and Cecil Road were not two places black folks want to go to when I grew up. There was a Hispanic representative I showed an article I had written in the Chicago Crusader, black newspaper, about a grieving father's response to violence. And I said, we need to have congressional hearings. She said, no, 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 state rights. Start state rights. So it was a, uh, a, 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 a Latino representative that heard my concern and encouraged me to request of her to have hearings. We start at the state level. We went through the process, we had hearings, 
legislation got passed. But what happened, we, working through the course of the pandemic, we did not put oversight on that legislation. So we've got to put some oversight on that legislation. So I'm engaging Governor Pisker's office again regarding that. But in the meantime, I requested the Tammy Duckworth to have hearings. All right, hold up though right there, Pastor. We've got to take a quick break, and I'll let you pick it up on the other side of the break. And let me just correct myself here. I think I said Cordy Rapp is saying that apple pie is cherry pie. Uh, that's Rap Brown, now known as Jamil Abdul El Almin. And he's, he's, he's got some health challenges now. Last time we spoke with his, his son, actually. But it is a cherry pie if I said apple pie. Six away from the top of our family. We'll be back in four minutes with Pastor Williams. He'll give us his story of what his fight is to make violence declared a public health crisis. What are your thoughts? 800-450-7876. Those are the magic numbers to get you in. Your calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And thanks for staying with us, family. A minute after the top there, Pastor Anthony Williams. He's an actor, as you've heard him, out of Chicago, and he's been pushing to get violence declared a public health crisis. Momentarily, we were speaking with Dr. A, because she's going to issue a report on black women's health for 2024. But before we do that, let's go back to Pastor Williams. So, Pastor Williams, you took us to the, as far as your meeting with Tammy Duckworth. Oh, what yeah. was next? And so, uh, well, the bottom line is, is that not only... That I, that I talked to her in Chicago, I, I went to her office in D.C. a couple months ago, and her response has been slow. Uh, but the thing is, you have to be persistent and you have to be relentless in terms of, you know, making it happen. And my goal is to make it happen. You know, when I get focused on something, you know, I, I, I got a pit bull mentality, so I'm not going to let it go. And I just encourage all citizens to, 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 recognize that you can do something about violence. I I chose to take a legislative route, which was I found out was the best route. Because when you take a legislative route and when you apply the law to it, then you can make change. You know, and that's the perfect example of what Dr. King did. They knew that eventually there has to be an end game. There has you know, I can't do this forever. But what I the experience that I've gained from this as to how to make a difference. And the thing is, is that very soon, you know, this issue will will be out front and center in terms of American civilian violence as a public health crisis, and we need a national plan of civility. We got to have that. We got to have that. Before we let you go, though, Pastor, what would you like the listeners to do, and how can they reach you? Uh, well, people can always call me at 708 708- Area code 708-690-5339. Area code 708-690-5339. And uh, if you Google me up, Reverend Anthony Williams, you'll see the body of work, our King International Ministries.com. So I just want to thank you, Brother Nelson, for allowing me to have this opportunity to give insight in terms of this issue of violence as a public health crisis. See, there's no debate, as I conclude. There's no debate on this issue of violence. And there's no debate also when we start off talking about reparations. The thing, you know, King and his cohorts, they fought the 
the violence of racism. We are struggling and fighting uh, the vi structural violence. My goal is to break down the barriers of structural violence. That's my goal. All right. And thank you for sharing your what you were doing. I know we're going to speak closer uh, a lot more times before the convention in Detroit comes to your city in Chicago, the Democratic National Convention, and see what we can do to get some of these lawmakers to put it on, on the front burner and let them deal with it. Because I know there are other problems out there that they want to tackle. But this, you know, if, if we can't have safety in our streets, especially in our communities, then uh, everything else is for naught. So thank you again, uh, Pastor Williams. Thank you for what you're doing as well, because uh, as I mentioned, earlier a lot of people see the violence that's going on in our community and uh and they don't do anything right but before i let you go lawrence is calling from texas he has a quick comment for you he's online too lawrence can you make it quick for us yeah okay yeah i'm gonna make it real quick hey carl hey my good brother let me let me be real succinct until we start taking control of our household our front yard and our streets we we black people we can't go to the white man and ask him to help us. This is an internal problem. We letting babies make babies. We letting babies kill babies. Brother, until you and all these other black people start talking about these women raising these single kids, or should I say not raising them, let me be just the same. I've been married for over 35 years. I got a son and a daughter. They're very successful, and I had it harder than hell, harder than hell. So I don't feel no sympathy. If you make these babies, you better take care of them. And if you All right. Let's give him a chance to respond, Lawrence, because we, we run out of time here. But I thank you. What are you saying? Do you think that that's the issue, what Lawrence just stated, uh, Pastor Williams? Well, that's when we talk about structural. I mean, that's what's there. There's a thing called social engineering. Uh, there's a thing called propaganda. Uh, the, 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 the dominant culture, the status quo has uh, uh they have the Frankenstein has created a monster. Uh, they can't put the genie back in the bottle. So unfortunately, we gonna have to face that issue. So we just have, we just have to do the best we can. Be realistic. Continue to be positive. Continue to push forward because it's bigger than you. We need a healthy society. And our mindsets we, we've got to evolve. We got we got to take it to another level right now. We have to take it yeah. to another level in our mindsets that we cannot allow this to go. And there's many ways. Everybody just do their work. There's 12 gates to the city, figure gate, everybody, each person, whatever you do best, use your gifts to make the community better around you. Right. Thanks, Pastor Williams. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us this morning again. All right, family, we're going to move on, uh, Pastor Williams. And uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Seven after the top of the hour. Let's welcome now Dr. Free Amerson. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning to your entire national audience. It's an honor to be with you this morning. All right. Uh, can you give us, this is your first time here, can you give us a little bit of your background? Of course. Uh, I am a board-certified United States OBGYN. That's obstetrics and gynecology. So I was born and raised in the DMV, so I'm so happy to be on a Baltimore station this morning in 2024. I was raised by Dr. Bernita Thompson, who's the founder of the Ruth School System. She opened Ruth Activity Learning Center in 1977. 
and it's still standing, educating babies from six weeks out of the womb. And then she opened Ruth's Charter School in 1999, where they take children all the way through the fifth grade of education. I was educated at Ruth's, and I was the first graduate from the eighth grade of the Learning Center. I went to Banneker Academic High School and graduated in 1988 at the age of 16. I went to Duke University. I graduated and went to medical school at George Washington. I educated in my residency at a Columbia residency in New York City, and I've been in practice ever since. I have delivered thousands upon thousands of babies. I have delivered many healthy children, and I have watched black children die in the womb and die stillbirth. I have watched black women be raped, molested, go through fibroids, hemorrhage, death, morbidity, hypertensive crisis, diabetes, obesity crises, and all of the health disparities that we continue to face in this country. I continue to be on the front line during the COVID pandemic where we are dropping like flies. I am now married and practicing in the state of Illinois. And so I'm so happy that you have a pastor from Chicago. Chicago is at war. While we're giving billions of dollars to the Ukraine, we are dying right here in Chicago as black people. So I am here early in the morning, Carl, because we're in crisis. And I want to give a report about black women's health today. All right. We're ready for it. 10 after the, the top of the hour. Dr. A, what is the report? First, what's the grade? What grade you give the system? Yeah. We're going to take an L on this one, Carl. We are the loser. Black mm. women, the, the, the creator of all humanity, as long as you're the human species, you come from a black womb originally. And yet the Black Women's Health Report, Carl, for 2024, we get an F. More important, we take the L, as the young people say. We are suffering, why? Environmentally, we perm our hair. Well, now we know perms cause cancer. It's well known that the hair industry has screwed us. Baby powder causes genital cancer. Well, who are the ones sprinkling baby powder under their arms and between their legs? Black women. So Johnson & Johnson, thanks for that, because you've increased our death rate drastically. Water and lead pipes, we're dying from that. So although I live in the Chicago area, Carl, I live in a white community. So guess what? The water company called me and said, sweetheart, you have lead pipes. We want to replace them with PVC piping. But that's only for the white communities. Black and brown communities, oh, you're going to keep your lead pipes. Now, we also have food deserts, Carl, not just in rural environments where we're thousands of miles away from healthy vegetables and fruits and clean water, but right here in Chicago, right here in Gary, Indiana, Carl, we have food deserts. There are liquor stores and they're plentiful. There are funeral homes and they're plentiful. Oh, but we don't have a Whole Foods. We don't have a Trader Joe's, not in our community. So we're dying. We don't have organic nothing in the ghetto. 
2024. We're going to take the L. Now, we also have divesting of our governments locally and statewide from public education. Now they want to give all the money to charter schools. Why? Because we desegregate it. And the poorest black and brown children are in school. If they're in Chicago, they're in school with the migrants. Because 24,000 migrants have been bused and, and, and planed away from racist Texas to, quote, shelter cities. Um, these safe cities get no federal funding to take care of these migrants. So right now, Carl, it's below 30 degrees here in Chicago. And the migrants are on the street with no housing, with no nothing. And so there is a war that they're trying to start between the poor black and brown people that are native to the country and the migrants that they're shipping into this country with nothing, with nothing. So now that we're all on the streets and the violence is going to increase, that's exactly what's going to take place. So we're dying and we're going to, we're going to take the L. In terms of our health, morbidity, and mortality, Carl, I hope you drank your coffee because we're going to get into detail this morning. Hold on, hold hold that thought there. No, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I've got water on standby. But anyway, yeah, we got to stay hydrated. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, though, I want you to tell us why you're giving us the L, or each of the sisters, the L, or or a a failing grade. Family, just join us. Dr. A is our guest. And and this is, let me just say this. She's a product of an Afro-Trentic education, Roots Charter School in Washington, D.C. She's a medical doctor as well. And she says that the health system in this country is failing us, especially failing our sisters. You want to join this conversation with her? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876 at 14 after the top there. We'll take a short break. We're back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DNV, we are on FM 95.9. AM 1450 WOL where information is power. And good morning once again, family. Uh, 21 minutes after the top of the hour with Dr. A. And i got to mention again that the Dr. A is a proud product of a Afrocentric education. She started her learning at the, the Roots we call it now the Roots Activity Learning Center. That's the official name of it now in Washington, D.C. So those of you, some of you poo-poo Afrocentric education, this is this is a product. And she's a medical doctor right now. And she's just issued her, her report card on women's health for 2024. And she says, sisters are failing. So, Dr. A, why are they failing? Good morning, Carl. Good morning. Well, firstly, African-Americans represent 13% of the United States population. We are 40% of all new HIV infections in this country. African-Americans have the highest infectivity compared to all other ethnicities. In the year 2021, Carl, maternal mortality rate of non-Hispanic Black women was 2.6 times higher than the rate of white women. The CDC in the United States estimates there are 70 deaths amongst black women for every 100,000 live births. There are many conditions that cause this, from diabetes and obesity to preterm birth to preeclampsia and hypertensive disease, 
but also more behavioral socioeconomic factors like smoking cigarettes, poverty, abuse, and living conditions, in addition to chronic health conditions. The top four causes of maternal death, Carl, are severe bleeding, even in this 21st century, with blood transfusion available, we die of severe bleeding. We die of infection. We die of hypertension, even though hypertension is a controllable disease. And we die of unsafe abortion. Now, that's important, Carl. I just told you I'm in the Chicago area. Well, in Illinois, abortion is still legal. However, in the state of Indiana, Abortion, like in many other states, is now illegal. Well, that does not affect Becky, but it most assuredly affects you when you cannot leave your area code due to poverty. So black and brown women die from unsafe abortion, and now you make abortion illegal? Okay, so what are you setting us up for? A failure. So we are failing. We are being failed by the United States healthcare system. The World Health Organization has said that black mothers die at the highest rate. The U.S. maternal death doubled over the last 20 years due to increased risk in pregnancy complications. There are many social economic factors, and there are discriminatory health practices that increase our likelihood of life-threatening conditions. Black women are three times more likely to die ever since the 1930s, Carl. This has not changed. This has not improved. It has not improved with Martin's dreams. It has not improved with desegregation. It didn't improve when we started going to all of the, quote, best schools. It didn't improve when our education improved. It did not improve when our income improved. We are still taking the L, Carl, and this is pathetic. Well, let me jump in and ask you this, though. So why, why is it? Is it by accident or by design? Is it organic? Why is this happening to us? Well, it's been scientifically proven in reports that there is structural racism that defeats black women in America. And because of this, 89 members of Congress have joined with a resolution to have a Black Maternal Health Week in the United States. So basically, four out of five pregnancy-related deaths are preventable. And if we all remember, in April of 2023, in the state of Florida, our Olympic hero, Tori Bowie, died in pregnancy. That's 2023, Carl. You would think it happened during slavery. She died at home. She's an Olympian. She's the healthiest amongst us. But due to structural racism, due to so many things that we have not gotten out of our DNA and out of our behavior since slavery, we continue to die first. 
23. Yeah, and, and that's and that's my question, Doctor A, because you you mentioned the immigrants, and you were quite right. They're trying to you know put it, pit us against the immigrants and fight their fight for them. But pretty soon they're going to be assimilated in American culture, and and they'll rise above us socially, uh, economically, oh, as for and health wise as well. So I'm just my concern is why are we sort of just have a stranglehold on the bottom of. of, of every socioeconomic uh, metric that you can think of. And, and this time we're talking about health. Why, why can't we, you know, step up? What, what's holding us back? Well, let me cut to the chase. Um, essentially, not only is hemorrhage the leading group cause of maternal death, hemorrhage, we are bleeding to death. Charles Drew bled to death. <laughs> Ironic. Okay, he gave the world the technology of blood transfusion and died of hemorrhage due to racism. Structural racism is real in America, and they got their foot on our neck. And nothing's changed since we were shackled like a horse. So, no, now the shackles are invisible, Carl. And if we don't wake up and realize it, uh, things will get worse. Things will certainly get worse. It has been shown that the leading cause of pregnancy-related deaths in the year 2023 was behavioral health conditions. That included suicide and overdose. That means people are tapping out. Black women are tapping out. They've had it. They cannot take any more. It has literally been shown that when Black doctors are servicing our community, it makes a substantial difference. The death rate goes down. There is a significant difference in our outcome. This has been demonstrated. Although black newborns are three times more likely to die in the hospital than white newborns, this disparity dropped significantly when the doctor was black. That's been shown. So in other words, we are treated like the horse, by doctors that are not us. And yet we are only 5% of doctors in this country. So what does that mean? I'll break it down for you, Carl. Although I take care of women of all ethnicities, my counterparts I have recognized, number one, they don't believe that black women experience pain the way that white women do. They don't believe that black women suffer. They literally care more about their Yorkie poo than they care about black women. That's real. That's real. It's unfortunate. It's horrific, but it's reality. We are not regarded with concern. Well, well ha let me ask you this though, uh, 30 minutes out of the time there. When your colleagues, you see them, you know, treating doing the same thing that you do but treating you know they'll probably give their folks a, a little extra love than they would give the sisters how does that make you feel as a physician life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider kesimpta ofatumumab 20 milligram injection you can take it yourself from the comfort of home if you're ready for something different ask your healthcare provider about kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. It makes me feel um, cognizant of why we're taking the L. It makes me feel cognizant of why it is now a state requirement that doctors do cultural competency training because it's not inherent. You don't inherently put yourself in the next man's shoes. We naturally, Carl, as a human species, speak from our own lens. So that's not just racially and and ethnically, but historically, genetically, gender-wise, based on how you were raised. I was raised in a Pan-African community by Bernita Thompson. My eyes have always been open. My third eye has always been open. Everyone does not have that lens at all. So I have complete cognizance because at the age of 12, I won an Africare essay contest in the district, and I traveled to Chad, to the villages, and I traveled to Senegal, and I walked in the caves where our people were enslaved before they were shipped to America. My third eye has always been open, Carl. So when I trained as a physician at George Washington, I co-trained with Dr. Vieira. Dr. Atiba Vieira ran the Dove Center for Arts, and the Dove Center trained me as a Reiki master, trained me in the art of meditation, trained me in Eastern healing. I grew up in a household where we took spirulina every day, so I don't have to rely on the prescriptions that are written for antibiotics to feed billions of dollars into the pharmaceutical industry. If we do the preventive work, And again, Carl, many black women don't even know what spirulina is. They don't even know what it is. They don't even have a clue. I have a relative. I just said I was married. Well, I have a relative who is an amputee, but she hates to drink water. She now suffers kidney disease. Our behaviors are killing us. So the fact, Carl, that you said you love to drink water, Thank you for saying that on the microphone, on the microphone. If you don't drink half your body weight in water, you're killing yourself. Your cells are majority water. Your body can't function without oxygen and water. If you don't defecate every day, you're unhealthy. Black women are taught this. We are taught the basics. We are still regarded as a farm animal. That's why we take the L. That's why the U.S. healthcare system is failing us, because you haven't taken us off the farm mm. in your mind. Dr. Dr. 
Doctor, hey, hold that thought right there. We gotta take a quick break. And you mentioned spirulina. Just thought about that. Dick Gregory's favorite drink, by the way, spirulina. We go to the health store. You know, that's the first thing he orders, spirulina. So thank you for everybody. I just remembered when you mentioned that. But family, we gotta take a short break. You got questions? How can we turn the situation around? That's one of the tweet questions I got for you, Doctor A. How can we turn the situation around for black women? That's the exact tweet that just came in. So I'll let you respond to that when we get back. Family, you want to join the conversation? You want to reach us? Hit us up at 800 450 876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. Tony Browder will be here. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Oh, they just told me that we have some issues with WOL if you're in the DMV. So use the app. Just download the app and you can and use that. And use uh, If you've got CarPlay, that's real cool, too, so you don't have any issues. Anyway, Dr. A, I got a bunch of folks who want to talk to you, so let's, let's take some calls for you. Let's go to line two first in Baltimore. Sandra's listening. Good morning, Sandra. You're on with Dr. A. Good morning, Carl, and good morning, Dr. A. Dr. A, thank you for calling the road. Thank you for keeping it real and putting it out there. I don't understand these black women. They walk around here with all that glue in their head and their nails, and then they're doing all this uh, fake surgery on their bodies, on their face, on their lips, on their butt. I don't understand them, doctor. And thank the agents who helped killing the black women, too, because they put all this mess out there. And, I, you know, and I, I'm a nurse, and when I go in the store, I see people loading up with sodas. I mean, big, gigantic sodas. And if you try to talk to them, say, hey, what are you doing? You don't need all that. Oh, I love sodas. Oh, I die if I can't have a Pepsi. You know, and it's, it's just totally ridiculous. And what I did one day, I just walked around the city, got out of my car, and started walking. And I can't, I just wanted to see how many dialysis buildings would I see in the black community. And it's astonishing. They know it's designed. They, they put these sodas in the stores, put them on sale. They know the black people are going to get them. And who run up on dialysis? Black people. More black people on dialysis than white people. I see it. I work in healthcare, and they don't care. They could care less. If you don't care about your health, that's on you. They do not care as long as they can. All right. Is, is there a question there, Sandra? Because we've got some more folks for, yes, who want to speak with Dr. A. Uh, my question is this. How can black people afford good healthcare? The insurance is sky high. How can they afford it? All right, let's give her a chance to respond. Thanks, Sandra. Dr. A, go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate you calling in. I appreciate you being a nurse on the front line. I appreciate that your third eye is open and you recognize that if we don't drink water, we ain't going to make it. That's step one. And the fact that we can afford plastic surgery, that's a problem. That's the answer to your question. Um, I have watched women on Medicaid walk in with their hair did, nails did, everything did, as Drake says, okay? But their child is illiterate. While they're sitting in the nail salon, no one reads to the child. While they're getting their lashes done, their weave done, no one's reading to the child. They have an illiterate child 
nails did, hair did, everything did. And they paid me to prevent cervical and breast cancer a $35 copay. Medicaid has paid for their health insurance, okay? It's done. If you live in America, one benefit you've got if you're in poverty is health insurance. The problem is our community, you got $10,000 for new breasts and a BBL from a drug dealer. He gave you 10 grand cash under the table. Oh, you got money, but you just don't have it above the table. We have our priorities backwards, Sandra. That's the problem. All right, got some more folks want to talk to you, Dr. A, at 16 away from the top. Yeah, Christina's in Atlanta on line one. Good morning, Christina, you're on with Dr. A. Good morning. My question is, uh, Dr. A has been sounding the alarm for years and years on this issue. Uh, and so my issue isn't with her. Or, uh, and and I, it's easy for us to point the fingers at ourselves. Yes, we have to take some accountability. We do have black doctors that don't believe in our pain and what's going on. It took about 20 years for me to be diagnosed. So we have to take, yes, we do need to take some accountability. But my biggest issue is, uh, as on the world scene, no one takes issue until it's an election season and they know they need black women's vote. And so now we have Kamala Harris, you know, with this new uh, initiative, which I'm not saying it wasn't important to her, but I'm saying they parade us out when it's an election season. And we need people to be held accountable across the country, not just when they want our vote. All right. Thanks, uh, Christina. Dr. A, you want to respond to what she said? Firstly, Christina, thank you for calling in. And Thank you for sharing your testimony of suffering in silence. So many black women suffer in silence, not just you. There are black women, four out of five black women have fibroids in their uterus and they're undiagnosed because when we say, hey, I have to wear a diaper on my period. I bleed all over the seat. I bleed all over the chair. I I bleed through my clothing. We're ignored. No one gives any any concerns. We are treated like a farm animal. I can't make it more clear. We have got to, as black women, be discerning with our vagina and with our healthcare decisions. We have to. Number one, close your legs to people that are killing black people. Close your legs to drug dealers, black women. Stop it. Stop it. There's another way to survive. Secondly, Use your discernment. Open your third eye. Find doctors that don't identify you as an animal. Find doctors that hear you and see you. Because that's the only way that we're going to live. Okay? I just told you that the stats show that the black doctor is more likely to hear you and see you. But not all of us. I have also seen black women that are callous. Okay, just like they're black cops that are callous. You have to open your eyes and use discernment. We have that power, black people. We have been given that gift from God, but we don't choose to use it. Mm. We need to drink water. We need to drink spirulina. We need to begin to farm, you know, begin to have compost, begin to grow our own food. Be farmers. That's the only way we're going to turn this around. We do live in food deserts. 
Sandra right. said it. There is no vegetables and fruits in our community. All right, we got some more folks who want to talk to you. 13 away from the top. Let's go to Indiana. Father Ed's on line three. Good morning, Father Ed. You're, you're on with Dr. A. Line three, Kevin. Good morning. Good morning, Carl and Dr. A. Can you hear me? Sure. Yeah. Hi. Hi, this is Father Ed. I, I'm a I'm an inner city uh, priest working in a multicultural community here in Gary and uh I'm just my, my question is where are there signs of hope? Is there any hope? It, it sounds almost uh, completely, you know, help hopeless. And I, and as, a, as a Christian, as a as a priest, I, I I have to look for hope. So what do you think, Doctor? I mean, can you can you give me any hope? Thanks, Father Ed. Father Ed, thank you for being on the front line, and thank you for calling in at the crack of dawn and Gary. Um, in April of, the, April of the year 2023, uh, several of our national representatives, Alma Adams from North Carolina, uh, Congresswoman Lauren Underwood from Illinois, Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, proposed legislation. And in April 2023, over 89 members of Congress decided to, to raise national awareness about Black women's U.S. health statistics. So there will be a week of awareness of the state of Black women in U.S. health. That's a first. Unfortunately, the year 2023, the same month of April that this passed as a resolution, is the month that we lost an Olympian. A Olympian died in her home of a maternal death. But the grace of God, raising awareness is step one. That is the hope, Father. And so if we can raise awareness nationally, state by state, locally, um, in Gary, in Chicago, in Baltimore, in Atlanta, we can raise awareness, put the microscope on the black woman. That's going to change reality because there are many people in our community that are invested and that are up this morning, Carl, listening and want to change this. Right. Ten away from the top. Let's go to Jersey. Mickey is calling us online, too. Good morning, Mickey. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Paul, good morning, Dr. Emerson. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Yeah, my question is, um, uh, how can we improve uh, the women's health in 2024? I have a hyper uh, hyperthyroidism, and uh, a lot of women are being diagnosed with thyroid issues because of food. Nikki, right. thank you for calling from New Jersey. Thank you for being mm -hmm. up with Carl. Thank you. Um, so, awesome so show. Awesome show. Nutrition, nutrition is important, Mickey. And thyroid mm -hmm. disease, thank you for sharing your testimony about that. Thyroid disease is on the rise in the black and brown community. And it is because of the GMO food. So I have already said we're going to have to grow our own food. We're going to have to have, like our great-grandmothers did, a little herb garden, okay? 
even in the project, even in a small community, you can grow your own herbs and put them in your your grocery food until you can get your own garden. Uh, Mickey, uh, thank you for raising awareness about thyroid disease, and that couples with autoimmune disease. It is on the rise. So number one, we're underdiagnosed. We've got to get to the right doctors to be diagnosed properly. We've got to mm-hmm. take our nutrition in our own hands. That's how we turn this around. We've got to supplement with vitamins. So particularly persons with thyroid disease need magnesium and zinc. And so that should be a part of your regimen for your own strengthening. It's not just stay on your medication. Stay mm-hmm. checking your blood level. Stay with the physician that sees and hears you so that you can get right. And for all people, you've got to move more. Sandra brought that up. Mickey's bringing that up. Without nutrition and water and exercise, we can't win this war. All right. Mickey, you have a follow-up? Okay, thank you. Let me ask you this, though, uh, Dr. A, because you're a medical doctor, but yet you still you offer holistic uh, treatment as well. Do you get any pushback from the pharmaceuticals for for, for that? Because, you, you know, you're just messing with their money right now, straight up. Yeah, that's a, such a poignant, poignant question, Carl. Um, the bottom line is this. Thank you, God, that my third eye is open and whatever comes against me, whatever, whatever the enemy forms as a weapon against me, God transforms it. <laughs> that's my superpower, okay? So the bottom line is this. Um, the U.S. medicines were funded by our sick friend, Rockefeller. You see, he was a monster. And he was killing thousands of men that were constructing the railroads across this country. They were dying during the construction of his project. And before their wives and children, who were now fatherless, could portray him nationally as a monster, he used his money to do a PR campaign. In that PR campaign, he had oodles of money, and he funded, there were very few U.S. medical schools at that time, and he was able to take over the curriculum. And in doing that, the curriculum was infused with focus on disease so that you can profit the pharmaceutical industry of a capitalist country. So when you go to medical school, your second year, you are studying disease. And you know what? Hold up though right there, Doctor. We've got to take a quick break, and I'll let you pick it up on, and, well, on the other side of the break, though, and tell us what happens, because I, I know we have uh, black doctors, black physicians, are probably thinking like you, but they, they go use, just use what they were taught in med school as, is, instead of, you know, offering some holistic treatment like, like what you do, or do both, or figure a way how to combine both, you know, just like what you're doing. So I'll let you pick that up on, on the other side of this short break. As I mentioned, we got to step aside for a second, folks, and we'll be back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB and also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. Keep 
And good morning again, family. A minute after the top of the hour, momentarily we'll speak with uh, Sister Shakur, Sister Shoshana Shakur. There, she's an activist out of Detroit. Let's wrap it with Dr. Emerson, though. Dr. A. Dr. A, uh, you were telling us about, because my question to you is, do you get pushback because of what you used to do you, using holistic methods instead of, you know, not necessarily using what you were trained to do in med school? And you said it, you, t- you took us to the second year in med school. So I'll let you pick it up from there. Thank you, Carl. Uh, Your second year of medical school, you're studying disease. The focus of that entire year is the study of pathology and pharmacology. Then you go into the hospital. Because black and brown people are number one when it comes to disease and death, there is a value to learning about mastery of treatment of disease. That's just not the entire encyclopedia. That's part of it. If you don't understand prevention, you can't be a healer. So more than I am a U.S. physician with an MD, yes, I can do surgery and save your life. Yes, I can stop you from bleeding to death. Yes, I can use my brain and diagnose whatever kind of disorder or disease. But I can also use my spirit, my heart, and my brain to prevent disease and to promote wellness. That's a whole different lens, Carl. So, again, Dick Gregory had value in our community, and I believe his spirit lives on. There's some youth that get it, and we've got to cultivate them so that we have more black physicians in this country and, more importantly, more black healers. All right. Before I let you go, the Reverend Rena is calling from D.C. on line two. Reverend Rena, you're on with Dr. A. And thank you so much for this wonderful, insightful report card on black health, particularly uh, women. So my question is to you, Carl, will you be providing more opportunities for Dr. A to now provide more solution to the problems that she has shared with us? I would love for our audience around the nation to now look at solutions and work towards that. Again, can we expect to hear more from Dr. A with solutions to uh, cite the deficiencies and see how we have been accountable by making corrections in our community and maybe our report card can change. Yeah, let's hope our report card improves. That's going to be on Dr. A if she's, uh, you know, if she wants to come back and find. But what I like about Dr. A, Dr. A is a product of an Afrocentric school education right in Washington, D.C. Because a lot of times people poo-poo, you know, Afrocentric education. It's too black and all this kind of stuff. And here she is standing this morning as a medical doctor and issuing a report card on, on black women's health. Dr. A, you're welcome to come back anytime. But before we let you go, do you have a website, an email? How can folks, or some of the ladies out there who want to reach you, have personal problems? Can they get in touch with you? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Carl, and thank you, Reverend Rena, for calling in from Washington, D.C. I, number one, want to invite all of the listeners to go to my Facebook page. I have a community Facebook page, and I stay very connected. The first people to support that page are the patients that I care for in New Jersey. I had a solo practice that I ran for four years in Bergen County, New Jersey, serving all ethnicities and all ages. My eldest patient was a centenarian, 100 years old. She would walk in with no panties and thigh highs so that she could jump up on the table and just go straight to treatment. So I love all women. I want to connect with all women. Go to my Facebook page. And in accordance with Reverend Rena's request, February is Heart Health Awareness Month. And it's important that we know how to go red for women. March is Women's History Month. So, yes, we can raise our grades. Just because we took the L in January and we failed, or rather America failed us, Black women, doesn't mean we can't take back our own power and raise our grades. Carl, thank you for having me on in my hometown this morning. (laughs) Thank you, because you're putting in the work. And, And you know what? You mentioned third eye, and, and that's what going to an Afrocentric school does for you. It teaches you about your third eye and how to operate it, because you says we all got a third eye, but many of us just don't know. And, and if we, we know, we don't know how to use it. So thank you for sharing that with us this morning. All right, Dr. A. Honored to be with you. All righty. Thank you, Dr. A. Six after the top there. Let's say good morning. Let's move over from uh, Chicago. Let's go over to Detroit. Sister Shoshana Shakur is with us. Good morning, Sister Shoshana. Good morning, Brother Nelson. <clears throat> Revolutionary greetings from Detroit. Yes, love it all. You, you've got some friends with you. Can you introduce them to the audience? Yes. Today I have with me my niece, um, Delisa Glassbee. Uh, we call her Lisa. And um, Brandon Allen um, will will join us. Brandon has a little bit of a sinus infection, uh, infection, but he's still on with us. So what's going on in Detroit this morning? Okay, if I could um, briefly speak about the property tax situation, and then I'll have um, Lisa and Brandon join me on the other issue. Um, but I am an advocate for the Coalition for Property Tax Justice. And those of us in Detroit are well aware that Detroit, the city of Detroit, between the years of 2010 and 2016, stole $600 million from Detroit homeowners by illegally inflating their property taxes. And let me repeat that because that's important. Um, The city of Detroit stole uh, $600 million from Detroit um, property tax um, payers. Uh, And they even acknowledged that the money was taken 
But um, our our mayor said that it's nothing we can do about it. So the Coalition for Property Tax Justice, which I'm an advocate for, we don't agree with that, and we have been working diligently to do something about that, all right? And so um, one thing that um, we have done is um, organize um, to stop foreclosures because guess what? When they illegally overcharge people for their taxes, then uh, quite a few people lost their homes, right? Um, and then those who didn't lose their homes, a lot of them were facing foreclosures. And actually, I am very proud to um, announce that the coalition, along with the cooperation from Wayne uh, County Treasurer Eric Sabree, we helped save 13,000 properties um, from foreclosures. 13,000 properties were removed off of the foreclosure list. So um, that's important. Um, and then uh, we just recently, uh, with the cooperation of the Strong Sisters on the City Council of Detroit, were, were, we were able to pass a um, new uh, property tax ordinance that will try to prevent, um, you know, any theft or over uh, assessing from occurring again. And then the final thing, we helped a lot of people um, get uh, my half funding, Michigan uh, Home Owners Assistance Funding, where they help people pay those taxes off. So um, th that's a little bit about the coalition, but right now I wanna uh, let all Detroiters know to please um, contact the coalition because we're working on appeals of the uh, property tax assessment. People are still, this is important, Brother Nelson, after they had the gall to steal uh, $600 million from the people um, by over-inflating uh, the uh, tax assessments, guess what? They're still doing it to this day. And the properties that they're doing it uh, to are properties um, 200000 and under. It's not the wealthy people. Who, who might be able to afford to give the city some extra bucks is the people who can't afford it. So right now, the coalition, we're helping people to appeal their um, current property tax assessments that are um, inflated. So that's I think that's important, Sister Shoshana, because... You know, home ownership, that, that, when you have a stake in the neighborhood, that's part of the problem when the neighborhoods deteriorate because, you know, the homeowner, many of the homeowners, they don't have a stake. Many of them are renters, and that's why some of these uh, neighborhoods are run down. So when you have a stake in your neighborhood, you're going to make sure it's clean, and you're going to keep the crime down as well. So that's it's important. So I, I applaud what you just did. All right. Well, thank you, Brother Nelson. And I just want to leave a number. Um, if any of your listeners want to get in further information and share it with all of your neighbors and your relatives, everybody, because, um, you know, this problem has to be resolved. But the number is area code 313-329-7610, area code 313-329-7610. They, um, we're also on Facebook, uh, Coalition for Property Tax Justice, and um, you can um, Google us and go on our website. 
All right. Uh, tell us about Brandon and Lisa. You've got them on this morning. Okay. So, um, unfortunately, Brandon and Lisa, um, this past July, joined um, an organization or a group of people that no one ever wants to join. Um, I'm actually a part of that group. Um, but this is a group of uh, parents who have lost their uh, children to murder. Um, their 18-year-old son, Khalil, who had just turned 18, just graduated from high school, was on his way to college in uh, maybe three weeks. Um, he would have been attending Kaplan University, um, was murdered, um, shot at a, a traffic uh, stop. Um, and, um, I mean, they, they lost him to this. And Brandon and Lisa could probably give you details on why they feel these um, people felt a, a need to do it. But um, this is something that is occurring in Detroit and Chicago and Atlanta and D.C. all over the place. So um, if it's OK, I'll turn well, I'll tell you what, we're coming up on a break and we'll talk about it because you're right. It's occurring in all our inner cities. And these are young people, you know, just seemingly out of control. And the end result is it's it's not pretty. My condolences to Brandon and Lisa for the loss of your child. But anyway, we got to take a short break. We come back. I'll let you tell your story and what you think is the cause of all this and what can be done as as, as adults with our children out there. What can we do? 800-450-7876. You two can join this conversation. We sister Shoshana Shakur, brother Brandon and sister Lisa. They just lost their son, as I mentioned and to the hands of probably somebody who looks like us. So this is something that we have to talk about, family. We'll be back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If we're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 20 minutes after the top there with Sister Shoshana Shakur. She's brought along with the two of her friends, Brandon and Lisa. And again, my condolences that they lost their young son, their, their child, to a shooting, random shooting, and the death of another black man or a young black youngster that takes place in our community. So, Lisa and Brandon, good morning. And, and let, can you tell us? I know it's probably difficult for you to tell the story over and over, but can you share what happened with the audience? Uh, good morning, brother Carl. Um, our son, um, eighteen years old, is Mama Shoshana shared. Uh, was in the city of Detroit on his way to a restaurant to pick up lunch, and he came off the intersection of Southfield and Six Mile, Detroit West Side, and as he turned left onto McNichols, a car or truckload of young men rode up next to him and shot him up and, and resulted in his murder. Do we know who fired the, the bullet? We don't. Um, you know, obviously, social media has um, provided some information that uh, the city of Detroit detectives are using to help them with this case. But um, the, the murderers weren't people known um, to us, for sure. And without him being here to, to speak, we, we don't know that they were known to him other than a lot of information provided on social media that helps 
tries to help us put this together. And on the my next question, because I'm sure the police have asked you the same question, too. Was he in a gang? Was he, you know, part of that, that lifestyle? So I'll tell you this. The, the, interestingly enough, the very first meeting myself and my son's dad had with Detroit police, they said to us, so what gang was your son in? And I said, you must have the wrong file. My son was not in a gang. But they went on to say if he was involved in rap, then that is associated with gang-like behavior and mentality. And he was, despite him leaving for college um, in three weeks before his, or after his death, or before his death, he would have been going on his way to college. He, he was an athlete, an All-American basketball, baseball, football. He was working committed to community activism at a young age. But yes, rap was something he um, took pride in, he was talented in, and that was part of his life. And the detective says to me, the rap connection associates him with gang and gang-like behavior. And that's not a fair comparison, though. You can be a rapper. You don't have to be a gangster to be a rapper. So, you know, I put that down immediately. But let's talk about the rap game, though. You because th- you you've heard you probably heard his raps. He probably don't shared the, some of them with you. Uh, do you think that is part of the, this part of our culture with, with our rappers that think that you know shooting and killing each other and degrading our women, all sort of negative behavior that some of our rappers engage in? Do you think this is part of the problem that the the homicide fratricide that takes place in our communities? I definitely do. I do, I do as well. I think that. You know, it's too many uh, hood guys and not enough good guys, you know. And that's just the message that's, you know, being sent out there to just be goons. And, uh, you know, just the, the, the tougher you are, the, you know, more likable you are. I just think it's leading to genocide. Well, Brian, let me ask you this again. The, the, the music that's, that's out there today that glorifies uh, the rap game, the, the gangster life. Uh, do you think if there were another type of music, there was positive music out there, that our young people w- would have a different attitude as far as life is concerned? Absolutely, but I just don't feel that those in power, you know, in the music industry, you know, if you're not in, in a song, you almost have to kill uh, 20 people, you know, in one song, whether it's through, you know, murder, kill, shoot, uh, take uh, drugs, uh, you know what I mean? That, that That's the only way that the labels will even push it, you know? If you're talking about, you know, uh, uplifting the black man and the black woman, love, you know, songs are devoid of love now. So if, you, if you're not talking about drill, drilling or killing or sliding or spinning and you know, it is it, not going to get the same momentum, you know, the push behind it, I don't think. And that's sad because, you know, we, you know, the malleable mind is, is just is destroying us. Yes, it is. 26 after the top there, our family. Just joining us, uh, you know, uh, I guess the sister Shoshana Shagor out of Detroit, she's brought on there. Brandon and Lisa, they lost their young child, their child, 18-year-old, who was getting into the rap game, was on his way to college, wasn't a gangster. 
he got shot down. This is something that we've started our conversation this morning with Reverend Anthony Williams. Reverend Williams is trying to get violence declared a public health crisis in Chicago and any inner city. We hear it all the time from Baltimore, Washington, D.C. We hear it in New York, L.A. We, it's, just, it's just pervasive all over our, our communities, our people, pulling the trigger, killing out each other. But the problem, the issue is that we have to find a solution. The other folks don't care as long as we're killing each other. We're doing their work for them. That's how the system of racism, white supremacy works. We've got to reach these young people. To, you know, if they've got to use that energy in some other direction and stop, instead of turning it on, on us. Lisa, let me get real personal here. What was it like when you got that phone call? Oh, my God. Um, you know, Friday was just exactly six months um, from my son's death, extremely emotional, disbelief. I I went through stages of grief instantly, and I think to some degree I'm still stuck. You know, very, very painful. Um, And again, just in total disbelief. But, you know, I went right into I can't bring them back. I can't save them, things that parents want to do, right? But what can I do to keep his legacy going forward, to not let his life be in vain? So right away, myself and his dad said, we're going to get together with a group of people and reach out for their support to make this happen. And that's exactly what we did. I couldn't, I'm a licensed therapist, Brother Carl. And I knew that if I didn't move forward, I was going to be in very bad shape. And I had to do this for my family, for my daughter. I had to keep moving forward. Myself and his dad had to keep moving forward. So we immediately reached out to Ceasefire, People's Action, Force Detroit, anti-violence organizations in the city that embraced us and took us in and said, let's go. Let's plan this organization let's help you guys build a nonprofit and move forward and we did in less than six months uh seize the smoke is the nonprofit honoring my son's legacy and that organization is demanding community action this is you know we can spend all day talking about the murderers and the the background of these kids And I do know that they're young people. That has been confirmed by the police. But let's move forward. It's not, it's the community responsibility. Detroit police, the judicial system, the community, the neighborhoods, like we all have to get on top of this, play our role, stay in our lane, but take responsibility if we have any type of any chance for change, and we do. And Khalil's legacy sees the smoke. We'll do this. We're going to demand it. Faith-based organizations, legislators, there's there's some law that has to change that we know is necessary to make this happen as it relates to social media and what they're allowing to be uh, spread, you, you know, with between these young people. So it's a lot. But it's a little when it when I think about my son's life and what's necessary, and I will do it, and we'll do it, and we'll keep moving forward.
All right, Lisa, we feel your pain out there, and that's what I wanted you to convey to the audience. They have a, a children out there as well. The young people have got to watch them, got to keep an eye on them, because not everyone it, it rears their children in the same way. That's why we have these knuckleheads of going around and shooting each other, wasting their talents. You know, almost a loss of words, but let's take some calls for you. 800-450-7876. Uh, Brother Muhammad is calling from Washington, D.C. He's on line two. Brother Muhammad? Good morning. Good morning. Um, sorry to hear about uh, your son, um, but I wanted to add some perspective to this whole rap thing. Um, I was recently watching uh, some YouTube, you know, on YouTube, and all of a sudden I saw the old neighborhood I used to live in and work in, in Mayfair Mansions and, and uh, Paradise in Northeast Washington, D.C. And the caption on the YouTube said, uh, the most hated neighborhood or crew in dc and then i watched the video and then i started realizing i'm like where is this coming from and so i started studying the person who posted the video and it was some white white guy who doesn't Mm. live in mayfair paradise who is making these videos about different crews in in the black community and in different cities that are creating beefs uh, so that our young people who have access to guns and so on and so forth, and they, they have, they're in these crews for protection for themselves, get into fights with one another. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's not just that we got – because most of the guys that are in a crew or whatever, they're, they're not uh, running around here trying to uh, uh, tear up the neighborhood and all that kind of – they're really in a crew to protect themselves. But when you have somebody trying to get likes and getting and monetizing – the uh, beefs in our community through YouTube, because you get paid uh, for these 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 views on these these videos, and a lot of these videos, brother Carl and ma'am, if you'll look into it uh, in Detroit, these views have millions of views, and nobody is verifying where this this quote unquote news is coming from about you know beefs in the hood, okay? But this is being instigated by people outside our community who want this drill music, who want these rap beefs, because it helps sell records and it helps undermine our, our black community, you know, because they, they definitely want to keep their foot on our neck as much as possible because, you know, we are the dominant people, you know, intellectually, physically, and spiritually. We're the dominant people. That's just, that, that's just a fact. You know, well, let, well, let me ask you this real quick, because we've come up on a break, uh, brother. Yeah. So, what can we do then? So, we've, we've got the hidden hand. Uh, oh, we had to we had to go off to YouTube. Uh, we had to go after the advertisers. Uh, we we need like an ADL, or you know, the, we need uh, the nation. I'm in the nation. We need the nation to to spearhead uh, economically knocking these people out who are monetizing the death and destruction and the fighting in our community by making these beefs, these fake beefs. You know, in mm-hmm. our community, we we yeah. we had to we had to go after it. Uh, you know, if they're making money off it, we like I said uh, last week, we have to get these devils off of our money mm-hmm. and our talent. 
and, and thank you, Brother Muhammad. I know, Brandon, you want to make a, a comment, but hold that comment back. We got to take a short break here. When we come back, I'll let you make the comment. Family, you want to join this discussion like uh, Brother Muhammad did in Washington, D.C.? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We're all we got. We, this is our problem. We have to solve the problem because, you know, the other folks aren't trying to solve the problem. They're trying to create it, as Brother Muhammad just mentioned. Exactly. We'll be back, exactly. though, in four minutes with your comments. And, Brandon, I know you want to respond right here in Baltimore on 1010 W. LB in the DMV run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power. And good morning once again, family. I guess it's Sister Shoshana Shakur. She's brought along a couple of friends, Brandon and Lisa. Brother Brandon and Sister Lisa, they lost their son to a, a drive-by shooting in Detroit. And, and putting a face on some of these shootings, you know, in, in the inner cities, it's the drive-bys, I think, started in L.A. And now they're, they're really prevalent in Washington, D.C. And you hear about these shootings of our young people. We're killing each other. And the reason, and the question is, why? Why are we doing the oppressors' work for them? We've got to figure out a way to reach our young people. Before we go back to them, though, uh, and I, I know Brandon wants to comment on what Brother Muhammad said. Let me sort of remind you, coming up this morning, we're going to speak with uh, author and economist Dr. Julian Malvo. And tomorrow appeals Dr. Kalichia Eguin is going to join us. Also, chemitologist Tony Browder will be here. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, Brandon, I know you want to re- respond to something. We're talking about the music that uh, Brother Muhammad mentioned? I think that uh, what we see a lot of today is young men, and they have uh, women's emotions with male capabilities. So, you know, they're emotional uh, and, you know, strike out against each other. I said something to the the police captain. Uh, the police chief, we had a, 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 a meeting with them, and I said that, you know, on social media, if I were to post something and and, and, a, and a song is attached to it, I almost have to say, you know, I don't own the rights to this song. Or if I post something, you know, against uh, community guidelines, it'll get removed. I said, but you can, you know, you see youth after they commit these brazen acts of, of murder against, you know, somebody of, of the same color that looks just like them, you know, they go on social media and talk to family. I mean, if it did, if it's not on social media, it didn't happen. So you see these youths on Instagram, Facebook, and they have, you know, weapons, you know, semi-automatic weapons, and they tie bandanas around the guns. And I say, you know, that should be enough to, get them in the room, you know, at least a gun charge and get them off the street, but they don't, you know, and they say that, uh, you know, the freedom of information and there's so many rules and there's so many, you know, so much red tape and stipulations on getting these, you know, young kids off the street. So, I mean, I think it's, again, you know, that's the goal that we kill each other and, you know, and, allowed to go on social media and you know so you know with our organization that's our goal we want to go into schools and talk to these youths you know provide mentorship programs uh you know we're going to give our annual scholarships 
for, you know, children of color going to an HBCU. So, you know, we want to change the narrative in, you know, any way we can. But I just see that, you know, it's so much leeway and they're allowed to do so much, you know. You know, they go on Instagram or social media and troll the families after they do the murders. And, again, you're able to be on social media brandishing a gun, but, you know, the police can't go get you. So, you know, we have to, we are going to make a change, in, you know, here and, you know, we want to just nationwide, you know. Right. right. And, and, Brother Nelson, if I could real quick, this is Shoshana. I just want to expand um, upon what uh, Brandon and Brother Muhammad just said with those uh, social media uh, posts, whether they're fake or, you know, agitators or even, you know, the, the real murderers come on. And like Brandon was saying, brag and boast of their um, dirty deeds. And um, uh, Brandon and Lisa are such strong people, and I admire them so much because these um, people, I don't even know how to address them, these young people that are our, our young people. They had the uh, gall and the audacity behind Khalil's murder to um, go on social media and post um, his actual murder. And 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 make um, you know fun of it, and the, and then you leave the parents and the siblings, um, you know, to to watch this. And so, what Brandon I think uh, would agree with me, um, the uh, the the police, the the government, whoever officials need to do something about that. Our group, Malcolm X um, Grassroots Movement, we can barely post uh, much of anything without. Facebook um, coming on and sanctioning us, but yet you allow these young uh, misguided um, people um, that's out here murdering people and the ones who want to be murderers, uh, murderers, you allow them to post whatever they want in in all this bad taste and offensive. So I just wanted to get that out. And I I just want to say one thing to comment to uh, Brother Mohammed. Listen, I truly, anything my son did, I had to take an interest in. Rap was one I struggled with, but I will tell you this. The first annual event that we're doing for him um, next month, um, February 25th, we have asked rappers. We've reached out to rappers. I believe rap is an art. The way that I grew up and learned of rap or became interested in rap is because of its ability to to be a storytelling agent, right? So I am not at all um, oppositional to rap and rap artists. I'm reaching out, asking the rap artists who have the influence, come forward and help me help my family carry on Khalil's legacy by saying to these kids, it's art. It's not about murder. And don't push the guns and the bodies. It's not even about mm-hmm. money anymore. How many bodies can you claim? That's what makes you popular. But I'm begging rap artists, come out and please help us and use your influence to get through to these young people. All right, 15 away from the top. Yeah, let's go out west to, to Howard's going from L.A. He's on line two. Good morning, Howard. Good morning. Um, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss and things. Uh, 
I think, well, you know, it's, it's the lyrics. I'm old school. I go back to you in Detroit, Motown, all that good, beautiful music. And the, and the theme of the music has changed, all this violence and stuff. I mean, when I was coming up, I, I, I go to a party, so I'd be wanting to get with a young lady, you know, but you can't get with a young lady talking about all this violence and stuff. And you stand outside, you might get uh, uh, shot in the drive-by. What I'd like to see happen would be putting more pressure on these music, uh, these uh uh, producers and record labels and stuff, they're the ones that's putting the stuff out there. They got the control, and they're, they're a part of the problem, too. I think we got to put uh, more pressure on them, the record labels themselves, that they got to produce some more uh, sensible music. And uh, that's my comment, I think. And, uh, and, and I, I'm sorry for your loss. I bleed with you because, you know, to touch all of them. My granddaughter, her father was killed when she was like two years old. She never got to meet him. And you don't know him, rather. So we all feel your pain, sister, and it's just, I really feel your pain. And I hope I put pressure on these music producers and these record labels to want us to uh, produce better music, uh, better feeling music, I would say. All right. Thanks, Howard. Let, let me ask Lisa and Brandon this, though. The question now the, with the police that you're dealing with and the police, are, you know, one of the things they try to do it, and we saw it with Trayvon uh, Martin, they try to make uh, Trayvon a thug. Did they try to paint that you're, you're, you're somehow that your son deserved this because that was he was that was the part of the crowd that he was uh, involved in? That was, that was a question that I asked detectives. I said, if, you know, there's. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Does it change the the the, the your uh, how how you go at it, you know a case if you associate a child or or you know a young man with gang violence or if you know and they said no but I'm like you know is this if you do you know make create that narrative hey they're gangsters. Does it make you not go at the case the same way as it was if a child was uh, Ivy League, you know, went to an Ivy League school in a suburban community? So uh, I definitely asked that question. And then, you know, of course. They, what was the response? They said no. They said, you know, no one, it doesn't matter, you know, no one deserves to be murdered. And that's, you know, they're going at, you know, each, each case the same, but, you know. Well, well, I'll tell you this. One thing that myself and Brandon has had to do as parents is make sure the officer in charge, the detective in charge, has the the son we birthed, that we gave birth to. So you have what you're seeing on social media, and you're connecting it to this rap world, but I want you to know as his mother all the other things that he was involved in, what his mission and purpose entailed. 
So, and they're receptive of that. I, I will say that I, um, the captain of that's over the uh, police department working on our case has been extremely receptive. And each time I send her some negative that I see off on social media that I believe connects to my son's case, I also sent her the positive. He was just uh, the Black Magazine just nominated him, and I think he won, of uh, people that have lost their lives um, in Detroit. And he was there. His name was there with a lot of well-known um, individuals, Joanne Watson, um, Pastor uh, or Reverend Adams, like he he lost his life, you know. Unfortunately, the same year that they did, but he was noted. So I wanted that to be known to the police department. You need to know this side. So if that helps push your drive to make sure you disconnect him from whatever you know is going on in the rap world or the gang world then I need to do that and make sure you have that as his mom. All right. Ten away from the top. Yeah, Leo's joining us from Baltimore. Leo's on line five. Good morning, Leo. Good morning, Brother Carl Nelson. How you doing? Good morning to all of my friends and neighbors. And again, a happy new year to everyone. I just want to say, I want to pose a question. I want to stimulate as much conversation as possible. Why are we not teaching our children to become protectors and defenders of black life and culture. We must develop methods of defense, a mastery of military science, and of course, when we talk about gangster rap, for the most part, it is not misguided at all, but instead, it's being guarded or guided and directed by COINTELPRO and social media. Social media has become the parent. Social media parenting is alive and well. Again, why aren't we focusing on our children in a direction that speaks to how we protect and defend ourselves? The method of defense is what it's all about. I want to hear more discussion there because otherwise we're not going to survive. The hidden hand is alive and well. Yeah, shade of that. It is fully in effect. And, uh, and the pro part of the problem is we don't understand it. And our young people don't understand. Leo, you're correct. We should teach our children, our young people, to be protectors, protect the, the elderly in our community, protect our sisters, protect each other. You know, but we've got to get that message through. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, social media is 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 sending another message. I got to ask you this, Lisa. When when you read that that message, that the person who who killed your son had the gall to go on on social media and boast about it, how did that make you feel? Not only did they go on social media and boast about it, they went on social media and had a picture of my son and, and my family did their very best to keep this from me. Um, you know, I had limited social media access, but just two weeks ago, I pulled up a something on uh, Google and my son is laying over my steering wheel. He was in my car when he was killed. And you see the picture of him laying over my steering wheel with a bunch of police surrounding his surrounding my car.
that that's it right there. And that that was on Reddit, whatever that is, one of these platforms. But that was on Reddit, and I said, "Oh my God, how can this be? And how can it, someone let this be? Who's in charge of this? Who is allowing these type of um, pictures to be shown?" And, and it it who this Reddit place and people I don't know who they are. The the screenshot of my son stayed for a long time. I watched for over five minutes with my son hanging over the steering wheel, and officer after officer after officer would go in and look in the window, look in the window, and they're looking, and I don't know, but what didn't come was the ambulance. I'll tell you that. May I say something? Go ahead, real quick, Leo. I just want to say in 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 closing, uh, the government has the hand here. I mean, you, we don't want to talk about that, and I know it's frightening, but the government controls these entities at the behest of the corporate, the military-industrial complex, and the corporate mm. structures in this country. The government has the hand. And of course, we think that we, uh, it's just simply gangs uh, operating on their own, of their own volition. But oh no, the incentives, the control, the manipulation, the agenda is still that of the systematic, systematic extermination of a people. Yes, we are the victims of hate, and to the extent that. This can be promoted. Right. And hold that thought right there, Leo, because we're going to take a short break. And I thank you for your call. And thanks for connecting the dots for us. Five away from the top. Yeah, our family got to step aside. We'll be back in four minutes, though. We have phone calls and Sister Shakur, Brandon, and Lisa right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL or information is power. And good morning once again, family. Minute after the top of the hour, I'm momentarily speaking with uh, uh, Dr. Julianne Malvo. She's an economist and also an author as well. But right now, Sister Shoshana Shakur in Detroit has brought two of uh, Detroit uh, listeners with us, uh, Brother Brandon and Sister Lisa, and they tell them the tale of their story about their son who was uh, gunned down, drive-by shooting, probably by the hands of another black person, and and, and all it, the ramifications of it. Lisa, how are your other children dealing with this? Many, many. Um, actually, the the week that I had, we had our first interview with Detroit police, I was following the news. Eleven other young black men had been killed before I had my meeting one week after my son's death. Yeah, wow. so how Ayana? Uh, he wants to know how is your other children, your and Brandon's other children, dealing with the uh, murder of Khalil? Uh, everybody's. Yeah, go ahead. My daughter is in very bad shape. Um, she it took her months to return to work. Um, she's the oldest sister. I, that's my second child. She's she was Khalil. They were twelve years apart. She was Khalil's little first mother, if you will. 
So this is not just losing a brother. This is losing someone that she had, that she was instrumental with helping with his rearing and, and that connectedness that they had was was deep. Wow. So I know it's difficult for what you're going through, and I'm getting all these tweets from, from listeners who are telling us, uh, let the sister know that the owner of the social media outlet she's talking about is Alex Honahan. I think that's how I pronounce it. He, he's actually the husband of Serena Williams. He founded Reddit. <laughs> they, they, they just want you to know that. I'm not sure if you knew that. Okay. Yeah, it's something. It's 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 a site on uh, Instagram, and I think it's in Detroit and Chicago, but it's called Detroit Hits, and it actually shows. I mean, so many murders, and and they have the pictures. You know, they'll put them, crop them side by side, and they'll say this guy killed this guy. And I mean, give you just a concise history, why, who, where, but. It's, you know, they say a fake page, but it's like it's propagating so much beef. And like the brother said, you know, this is, uh, you know, uh, 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 another something, some, somebody outside of our race that's, you know, stirring up all this agitation and creating beef. And, you know, this guy killed this guy. And then you have the comments below. So it's like, again, if I post something and I don't have, uh, I have to say, yo, I don't own the rights to this music, or they'll take it down. Or if I'm posting something, well, this doesn't, this goes against community guidelines. But all of this murder and killing and uh, trolling and this is allowed, you know, to 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 remain on social media. So again, I you know I know it's the powers that be, and you know. It's just, you know, it's adding to the genocide, but it's the mindset, you know, as as a brother said before, social media is the parent. You know what I mean? God, they take God out of the, there's no God, you know, they don't believe in God anymore. They believe in social media. And we know that we don't control social media and the algorithms, that's all we see, you know, is murder, kill. You know, uh, again, as I said before, it's just so many good guys and not enough good guys. And if you, you know, you deem the good guy, you're born. You know, if you're studious, you know, you're a square, you're a nerd, you're a geek. You know, good guys finish last. That's just the narrative that they push. So all we see daily yeah, is... But, you know, the, the real deal guys. is, Brandon and Lisa and, um, and Sister Shoshana... It's our problem. We've got to solve this problem. We've got to. We've got to. We've got to figure out a way to get our young people from killing each other, man. We because the other folks don't care. We're doing the work for them, you know. And Dr. Malvo's coming up next. And interesting. She's doing a lot of research on lynching. You know, it's when they were killing us. Now they don't have to lynch us anymore. We we do it. We, we're saving the, the the work. We do it ourselves. So before I let you go, guys go though. If folks want to reach out to you to help you, you know, in some way, or, or promote what you're doing for for the loss of your son, how can they reach you? Okay. Let, let me say this real quickly. Um, on, on behalf of all of us, we want to thank you so much, Brother Nelson. Uh, um, but um, you, you all can, um, I want your listeners, a couple of them address, you know, how do we change this narrative? How do we stop this from happening? Well, Brandon and Lisa, um, as, 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 as much pain they're in, 
um, they're trying to change the narrative. They don't want anyone else losing their son. So they've gotten, like Lisa said, with um, anti-violence interrupters here in Detroit, and um, they're organizing to stop this um, uh, behavior and these um, senseless murders from happening. So please, I'm asking all of you all to support their first annual charity event that will take place in Detroit at Wayne State University. It's a basketball game um, where uh, rappers will, um, you know, play against each other. And the proceeds... Not to cut you off, uh, uh, the the information, uh, if a person, you know, check, you know, it's, you can write checks to community aid development. Uh, the memo sees the smoke. Uh, P.O. Box two one six nine six Detroit, Michigan four eight two two one. If you wanted to sell uh, something to our organization, we're trying to raise ten thousand dollars for this uh, nonprofit. Well, this for our nonprofit, but it's for uh, the, the we're having a, a celebrity basketball game. Uh, uh, you can zail uh, the three. The number for the zail is Delisa Glassby three one three two eight three zero nine nine nine. Our cash app is money sign K Legacy L E G A C A Y twenty twenty four. And our email information is at seize the smoke dot org. The phone number reaches three one three two eight three zero nine nine nine. It's the name of our organization again. It sees the smoke. All right. And, and thank you. We, we got to run. But thank you all for sharing that with us, Sister Shoshana, Brandon, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Sorry again. Our condolences okay. for your loss. But Sister Shoshana, keep us in the loop. Let this. Let, hopefully, they'll find the person who actually pulled the trigger. Because right. that's the only thing that's going to stop this. They're going to have to see some some sort of justice. Because usually the, the streets talk. So the people in the streets know who did it. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, the street also issues out their, their sort of justice. So just keep an eye on what's going on. We've got to figure out a way how to stop all the shootings of our young people killing each other. It's not worth it. Again, I thank I'm you. So but we. <laughs> all righty. Thank, thank you. you. All right, Thank nine after the top. Yeah, let's move over All to right. Dr. Julian right. Malvo. Dr. Malvo, good morning. How are you, Carl? Um, okay, I guess, you know, I'm just having this conversation with our last group of, uh, out of Detroit. Now, thank you for, for being so patient with us. Their son was, was killed in a drive-by shooting. And this is also too prevalent in our community, Dr. Malvo. As you already know, any city, you know, our young people are killing each other. And the problem is, what can we do about it? Because you've, you've done some research on lynching, as I mentioned, and you found out the other folks were killing us, and now they don't have to do it because we do it ourselves. I want to get your thoughts on that before you tell us about your research. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Carl, it's really startling. Uh, I don't like to even call it black on black crime because that's not what it is. It's crime. And when you say black on black, you somewhat trivialize it. When people kill people, they kill people. They don't get a pass because black people are killing other black people. We have to look at the roots of our anger and the roots of how, you know, some of these stories that I'm hearing about young people are just chilling. Somebody bumped in somebody at a party. The next thing you know, they're shot. Somebody said something to somebody's girlfriend. The next thing you know, they're shot. Do we think our lives are so worthless that we will kill someone, snuff their life out over trivia? But that's where we are, and it's partly because of the humanization of our people that we now have basically inculcated. We have taken masses' ways and taken them on ourselves. You're right about it. it's any city, Washington, D.C. We have a lot of it here, but you don't have to be in D.C. You can be in New York. You can be in Baltimore. You can be in L.A. You can be in San Francisco. The fact is that there are too many, first, number one, there are too many guns out there. They're too easily obtained, and people who have guns do not have emotional control. My young people hate it when I say that your front brain is not fully developed until you're 25, but that is the truth. Your brain development is not complete until you're, you know, in your early to mid-20s. So at 19, if you have a gun and somebody ticks you off, you don't have the emotional intelligence to say, he ticked me off and keep on walking. Instead, you want to settle it. You want to manage it. And there's nothing to manage. So, I, I, you know, I didn't expect that question from you, but it, it's something that I think all of us who are African-American and elders um, and, you know, I claim elder reluctantly, but after you turn 70, I guess you have to own it. Um, but those of, we've been around. We've been around, a, and it pains us to see our young people behaving the way that they do. And for what? As you say, they don't have to lynch us. We can lynch ourselves. Yeah, I, it, it, it is painful to see that, that level of hate, self-hate. You know, we're fighting on all fronts. We're fighting each other and we're still fighting the oppressor. But what made you do this study on lynching? What made you what made you want to do some research on that? Well, the book that I'm working on is called Lynching Culture, The Wealth Gap and Reparations. Uh, you, I, I'm an economist, as you know. And so looking at the wealth gap, we have to go back and say, how come we have a wealth gap? And the fact is that black people were never fully allowed to participate in the in the American economy. Indeed, lynching culture, it's not just lynching itself. And I can just rattle you off facts and stories about lynching, but lynching culture comes out of enslavement. And it says you can treat black people any way you want to and have no consequences. And so it's not just a, almost 5,000 lynchings that have been documented by Tuskegee University and in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, Brian Stevenson's organization, uh, 
yeah, the lynching museum, that's not what it's called, but the lynching museum, but that, it's not just that, it's a culture of lynching. That lynching was designed to make us color inside the line. You must behave. A brother was lynched because he stood on the sidewalk. Another one was lynched because a white woman that he did not know asked him to take to do an errand, and he said no. Therefore, he was lynched. In another case, which always cracks me up, not cracks me up, but for any number of reasons, a black man was lynched because he was accused of looking into a white woman's window to watch her bathe. Well, Carl, you know me and my flippant mouth. I said, well, why didn't they have her close her windows? Close your sh- why are you bathing in the window? Everybody to see. Uh, but he was lynched because he was accused of looking at the naked white woman in the window. Now, he was probably just walking by. But, that, but in any case, the randomness of our lives was such that Richard Wright, the author of Black Boy, said, if there's a lynching in Mississippi, I can feel it in Chicago. In other words, lynching was a form of behavioral control. Okay, so roll that back. What did that mean in terms of economics? It meant that our ability to accumulate was stifled by lynching culture. And, and hold that thought right there, Dr. Malvo. We've got to take a short break. When we come back, I'll let you pick it up. Already got some folks who want to, got questions for you uh, uh, talking about lynching and, and the fratricide that takes place in our community as well. Family, you want to join this conversation, reach out to Dr. Julianne Malvo at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. And the DMV run FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. And good morning again, family. 21 minutes after the topic with our guest, the economist and author, Dr. Julianne Malvo, one of the smart sisters in our community. She's a graduate of MIT, and she's working on a new book. And the book is Lynching, Reparations, and Closing the Wealth Gap. So, uh, Dr. Malvo, I'll let you finish, connect those dots for us. Well, we start with uh, the whole notion of a lynching culture, which is rooted in enslavement that says you could do whatever you wanted to do to black people. So fast forward. So basically, laws were passed to prevent us from accumulating, and people were punished for accumulating. Uh, one of the first lynchings that Ida B. Wells investigated was a lynching of Tommy Moss, who was a brother in Memphis who started a grocery store which directly competed with a white man's store. So two little boys got into a fight over marbles, and white men stormed the black store called the People's Grocery because they were mad about two little boys with marbles. Give me a break. They came in, guns blazing. The brothers had guns also. Um, They shot somebody. They didn't kill him. They shot somebody. For that, they were lynched. Three black men, upstanding community members, were lynched. I called that lynch economic envy. It was not about the boys and the marbles. It was about the fact that a black man had the nerve to start a store and compete with a white man. There's so many cases where black people accumulated enough, they were often lynched. In 1895 in Paris, Texas, two brothers were lynched. Uh, One was a younger fellow, and they said that he had an attitude. Well, actually, white people rolled up on him and asked him to sign his property over to them with no incentive. Why would he do that? So they lynched him. In another case, they said the brother—these both have an 1895— the brother was um, inoffensive but prosperous. Let me repeat it. Inoffensive but prosperous. 
So he was lynched for being prosperous. So if you understand lynching culture, then you understand why there is a wealth gap. And then that makes the case for um, basically com- comprehensive reparations. For So we're not saying, okay, you can show that, you know, in Tulsa they took your land and you want it back. We can show that everybody in the surrounding area was also damaged. And so it's not that you want your land back. It's a comprehensive res- reparations say that black people spoken globally should be comp- uh, basically c- compensated. Now, how, that's a whole other debate. But I would ask people to look at IBW21.org and push the tab called reparations where there's a 10-point program. I'm on the National African American Reparations Commission, and we've been working for almost five years, more than five years, almost 10 years now, in attempting to lay out markers of what does reparations look like, who should get it, how do we implement it, and so so that's the basis of the book that I'm working on now. All right. We have a bunch of folks already want to talk to you, Dr. Malvo. Let's start first with Bobby calling from D.C. on Line 5. Good morning, Bobby. Hey, good morning, Carl Nelson. Great show, man. Really, really good show. And uh, kudos to you, Dr. Malvo, for the work that you do. Thank you. I um, wanted to ask a quick question. With uh, It seems like we're just utterly distracted these days. You know, we got television. We got social media. We got everything that, you know, takes us away. And it seems like we've been minimized to just talking. And uh, in the great words of Marshawn Lynch, you know, he said he's about that action. You know, how do we get to to action? We, again, we talk a lot. We have talk shows. We have panel discussions. You know, we're really great orators. But it seems like we have a bunch of individual leaders who don't want to work with each other. I uh, won't name no names. But, you know, it seems like we need to get to action. How do we get to action? Because we speak really well. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Bobby. I, I, you know, I appreciate your observation about the talking as opposed to the action. And I think that every one of us can make a difference in terms of action. And when a plan is put out there, and many plans have been, you know, it's who will coalesce around it. You know, we just spent uh, Monday talking about Dr. King, but Dr. King talked about economic restructuring. People don't want to talk about that. That's too radical. They want to say we shall overcome and kumbaya and all that. And that's cute. But how does that change? the material conditions of black people. So I think we need to start looking at that. In a city like Washington, D.C., as an example, there's lots of land that's owned by either the federal or the local government. Let's redistribute at least some of that. That's action. But who will join to make that happen? So you, you, you called it out, my brother. You called it out. There are a lot of orators. There are a lot of people who have a lot to say. Where are the people who have a lot to do? Good point. 26 after the top of the hour. Just stay in D.C. Panther's up next on line six. Panther, good morning. You're on with Dr. Julianne Malvo. Yes, good morning, uh, uh, Carl and, and Dr. Malvo. Both of y'all are great uh, people of the struggle, and I appreciate both of y'all. But my thing is I would like to say this also. We was put into a system. Our people, black people, Africans, were slammed on into a system that was designed to keep us under control, to kill us, to rule us, to make us hate each other. They lied to us ever since we've been here. And the pressure now is they done done tighten up their game because they want to catch young minds. People of our age, we know what the deal is. We done been through this. But 
I think it's going to take people like Dr. Melville, yourself, and others that know what's happening. We got to step up and teach our young kids that we at war, and when y'all destroy each other, y'all become puppets of your enemy, and that's what they don't want us to know. They want us to kill each other. And young brothers out there and sisters, y'all better take heed. They are trying to destroy you and control you, and they want to do this until the rest of eternity. If we don't help each other, it's over for us. It is over. And it's a challenge to all of y'all that's out there killing each other. Take them guns and that ammunition and hold it because you are at war. And don't become our enemies' puppets, please. Right. Thanks, Panther. And and I'll let you, and Dr. Melvin, I'll let you respond to that. Also, it, in your research on lynching, because you mentioned all the lynches, you mentioned were all brothers. Did they lynch the sisters? Did they, they lynch our children as well? Yeah, there were more than 60 lynchings of women. Um, often they lynch a couple sisters because they accuse their brother of something. They couldn't find him, so they just lynched the women. In another case, um, a white man died. And the two black women were accused of poisoning him. There's no evidence thereof, but they were lynched. The most harrowing woman's lynching was the lynching of Mary Turner. The story of Mary Turner comes out of Georgia, where uh, a white man named Hampton Smith had a habit of going to the jail and bailing black men out. When he bailed them out, it was because they were forced into work on his plantation. He had a reputation of being a very harsh man. And he, um, if you, if he bailed you out, uh, you were going to work it off. And if he saw you lazing around or whatever, he might beat you with a stick. He might do anything. So he um, basically lynched a brother who had been sick. And uh, no, he didn't. He shot. A brother had been sick, and he beat him. And the brother lost it. And he went and shot Hampton Smith. Um, and he also shot his wife. Kill Hampton, didn't kill the wife. For the next two weeks, Carl, they lynched a brother every day, every single day. If they had any kind of relationship. They lynched him because they were cousins, because they were in the same church. And then they lynched a brother, um, Mr. Turner, whose wife was 19 years old and nine months pregnant. She went to the courthouse and raised a lot of cane, and she said, she was going to find out who did it and who was responsible, and they would pay. Well, so they lynched her. They hung her by her ankles. They threw um, kerosene on her petticoats, and then they lit her on fire. She was, like wow. I said, she was nine months pregnant. She expelled the fetus through all the violence her body had experienced, and then the white men stomped on the fetus. Mm. So, you know, of course, the majority of them were black men. Well, black women were lynched as well. And then let me say this is interesting. I was coming from a event at Howard University, and my Uber driver and I got in a conversation, and he was asking me what I was doing research on. And I'm like a wind-up doll about the subject of lynching. So I said, well, lynching. He, he was Italian, and he said, well, did you know that they lynched you know, Italian people too? So he had it right on his um, iPad. I said, do you tell this to everybody? He said, no, I was just reading about it since you mentioned it. Well, they lynched, they lynched 11 Italians in, uh, like I think, 1897 in New Orleans. 
because white people feared them for taking their jobs but, and for other stuff. So, you know, although there were about 5,000 lynchings, 47 and change, probably several hundred were of white people. They lynched Jewish people, they lynched union organizers, and they lynched people like that. But so again, the bulk of lynchings were black men. And we have to look at what, let's talk about what lynching was about, about social control. It was about saying, if you step outside the line, you put your life in your hands. You know, we come up on a break, but I got to ask you this question because the, the, I've heard about the, the the word picnic came from picnic, and this is when they, I think maybe Tony Browder mentioned it, that the, when they do, they have parties or the lynching parties, so they pick one of us to, to lynch them, and they, and they drink and have fun and and set us on fire, and 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 that's where the word uh, picnic came from. Is it? Did your research or did anything like that show up on what you did? Well, but the the picnic thing has the I mean, some people say that it does have these picker ends. Uh, others say it doesn't. But the fact is that there's a book called Lynching and Spectacle. And many lynchings were accompanied by spectacle. In other words, in some lynchings, as many as 10,000 people attended to watch. White people came from church to a lynching. They, they, had, they were, you know, their Christianity and then they went to a lynching. Um, and so without dealing with the specifics of the word picnic, let's deal with the issue of spectacle. And the thousands of people who lined up and clamored to get a little, just a knuckle, a piece of the body. And, oh, my God, let's not talk about the um, emasculation of black men and people lining up to get a piece of their penis. Um, I mean, really, it's just gross and disgusting. When you when you read this stuff, I'll tell you a kind of funny story. It really isn't that funny. But I'm in the Library of Congress one day, and I'm reading about one of these lynchings. And I say, uh, in the library, I said, oh, spit. And there wasn't no spit. You know, how, you know, I have a potty mouth. I'm like, oh, spit. And the little brother came back. He said, Dr. Balbo, you know we love you. Whenever people tell me they love me, it's preface, but then they go say something to me about myself. And he said, you can't sit back here cursing like this. I'm like, I'm in a stack. There ain't nobody back here. He said, there is. This white lady just had complained that I was back there cussing. So I said, read this, brother. And it was an accounting of a lynching. I said, read this and tell me what you think. So after he read it, he said, oh, spit. <laughs> we both had to laugh because it was just so outrageous. This was a story of a, a white woman who had her husband died. She was in her 20s. Husband died. She inherited his property. So all the white men wanted her because they really wanted his property. Anyway. Uh, I tell you what, hold that story right there, Dr. Malva. We've got to take a quick break. And I'll let you tell it on the other side. Family, you want to join this conversation? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Speak to Dr. Julianne Malva. We'll be back in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, the information is power.
And thanks for rolling with us all morning long, family. It's been an interesting morning. 21 minutes away from the top there with our guest. She's an economist and an author, Dr. Julian Malvo, working on her latest book, her newest book. It's about lynching, reparations, and closing the wealth gap. Before we go back to her, let me just remind you that chemitologist Tony Bratter will join us tomorrow morning, so make sure your radio's locked in tight right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So, Dr. Malvo, I'll let you finish your, your story you're about to tell us i was telling you about a uh, black man who basically was doing handiwork on a white woman's farm and they were both young people and they ended up hooking up white men wanted this woman's land and of course that was in the 19 19 teens where you know women did not really have the right to own property if they married the property went to their husband so many people want to marry her. She wanted her independence, but she took up with this brother. And uh, one night, white men bust into her home to find her in bed with the brother. She immediately called said rape. And, um, of course, they took him. They tied him to a tree. They doused him with gasoline. And then they made her strike the match to light him on fire. He said to her, Honey, would you do this to me after all I've done for you? And he, she lit the match anyway. Uh, that's when I said, oh, spit. Uh, she lit the match anyway. Now, my white women colleagues would say she had no choice, but she did have a choice. And the fact is that when we look at the history of rape and lynching, white people would lynch a brother just because they thought he might think about having something to do with a white woman. But many of these relationships were consensual. And even I.B. Wells and Alexander Manley, both uh, newspaper editors in the 1890s, wrote about that and said, well, what if um, it's consensual? A white woman, Rebecca Felton, who was the first United, woman United States senator, said, I would rather lynch a thousand beasts that would be black men than to have one white woman's virtue compromised. So this is lynching culture. And basically, white folks used it as a trope, even when it wasn't what was going on. And so, again, what you have is lynching culture leads to a wealth gap because it prevents us from accumulating, which then makes a case for reparations. So that's the book. Yeah. Well, I got to ask you this question, though. Back then, the brothers knew that if they even stared at a white woman, that possibly they're going to be lynched. Did, did, was was wasn't that told? Wasn't that you know like we have the talk now with with our uh, young people? Wasn't that the talk back then with with, with uh, some of our elders oh, to the younger? It was absolutely the talk. At the same time, you know, what are the you know young people will say? What love wants? What love wants? There were consensual relationships. Sometimes they were actually coerced relationships. We have some evidence of white women who told a brother, "If you don't do me, I'm gonna say you did, and you're gonna get lynched." But there were other cases where I mean, there was genuine affection. There was one case, Carl, where a black man and a white woman were married. Um, they lynched the man for marrying the white woman and lynched the preacher for marrying them. Oh, wow. All of the lynchings were in, all in the South or were any in, in the northern regions? Yeah, there were some in the North, not many. Most of them were in the South, but there were some in the North and um Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. 
If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. And let me say that there were, you know, about 80% of lynchings were black people, but there were some lynchings, especially in the West, uh, that were white people who were cattle wrestlers and stuff like that. In fact, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's very interesting, a white man basically um, killed a taxi driver, and um, he was lynched, and the newspaper says, if we can lynch a white man, we can also lynch Negroes. Before that, they did not have any case. And this is Tulsa, right before uh, the Tulsa massacre, where hundreds of black people were killed uh, around Black Wall Street. But the interesting thing was, I said, if we could lynch a white man, well, we could also, we could lynch a Negro. No big deal. And so the, the foundation of Tulsa was the young brother, Dick Rowland, who was 19 years old. They accused him of lynching Sarah Page, white girl who was 17, what people don't understand, there was an orphan culture in Tulsa at that time where all these orphans, they didn't have parents, they hung out. Black, white, they just hung out. They went, they ran wild, really. And um, the two of them knew each other. And Sarah Page would never press charge. She refused to say that Dick Rowland raped her because he did it. They were in an elevator. He touched her. She exclaimed. She, maybe she screamed. A white man saw the interaction, and he said they had newspaper clipping call and said to lynch a Negro tonight. And the brothers were like, oh, hell no. They had come back from World War I. They were armed. They were like, no, you're not going to lynch this brother tonight. So, you know, there is a man who sent – he did a very comprehensive pamphlet of the 118 lynchings that took place in 1900. He sent it to Daniel Murphy, who was the um, – assistant librarian of Congress before Woodrow Wilson came in. He had been collecting pamphlets about black people. And in this particular pamphlet of 118 lynchings, or maybe it was 170, only a fraction of the lynchings were having anything to do with sex. I mean, that was their excuse. That was their excuse. But they would lynch a black man or woman simply for coloring outside the lines. Lynching was a tool of intimidation. It was a gross tool of intimidation. And again, even to this day, um, the two women, uh, the two sisters who Rudy Giuliani um, disparaged, the women who were poll watchers, uh, he put their names out there and everything. One of them got a letter that said, if this was 1920, you'd be hanging from a rope. Lynching culture. Yeah. Well, we got some folks who want to talk to you right now, 14 away from the top. Now, let's go to line three. Bill's in Baltimore. Good morning, Bill. Is Bill still with us on line three? Yeah, I think Bill's gone. All right, let's go to line four then. Christian's in Malibu. Christian, good morning. Christian's gone too. Okay, Marvin then on line one in Baltimore. Marvin. Hey, Carl. How you doing this morning, man? 
Excellent, brother. You're on with Dr. Malvo. Yeah. Dr. Malvo, I just want to say a few things here. The Jews went through the same thing the black people went through. Slavery, killing, and everything else. We may just want to look at the terms of how the Jews rose up and got out of it and became successful in this world. Black people probably need to use the same method. Because, see, what we've been doing since we've been born is the enemy against the white man. The white man being an enemy against us. I mean, that fear should have been solved. And that, and that would have solved a whole lot of problems. But evidently, it's still going on. And how we losing is they got the upper hand. We got the lower hand. So we stay down. So, so I feel as though our generation should think differently and use business-minded. And you're going to have to deal with that. You see what I'm saying? If, if it costs for dealing with, with the white man as business, deal with him. But if you got fuse after that, you can you can deal with everything you want after that. But right now, we need business mind. You see what I'm All saying? Right. That's what Let's I'm give a chance at. to respond. Thanks, Marvin. You know, Carl, I don't, have a, I don't have a response to that. I don't really do this black Jew comparison, Jewish comparison. I have much respect for Jewish people, even more respect for our people. And the comparison, is, is, to me, is not useful. So, All right. Here's, here's a tweet for you, Dr. Malvo. Tweeter says, isn't black people, I'm reading it as it is, isn't black people still being lynched? There have been bodies hanging from trees where people dismissed it as suicide. You're absolutely right about that. That has been happening, and there are, there are all kinds of ways to lynch. And, in fact, we go back through history there. At, in the 1930s, there was a debate among black people about, black scholars, really, about what lynching actually was. Uh, and there's a book called By Hands Now Known, because there were the very public spectacle lynchings. There were economic lynchings. But there were also the book by Hands Now Known talks about all these black people who disappeared. Um, and again, you could do whatever you want to do to black people without any consequences. So you have black people who disappeared, black people, they, they died by hands unknown. And I was saying by hands now known. Right. Another another tweet for you, Dr. Malvola said the top shooting in Buffalo, this brother in Buffalo, says was unprovoked lynching. That's the new term of lynching. And, and I'll add that what happened in Charleston at that school could be considered another type of lynching or the new type of lynching. The Buffalo situation was so horrid. Uh, and, 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 and Charles. So, you know, I'm laughing, not laughing, but Nikki Haley just needs to go home and sit down. She said America was not a racist country. Uh, she said that yesterday. We're not a racist country. Yes, we, racism is baked in the cake we call America. It's baked into the cake, and you can't pull it out. So this woman, I, I, I enjoy, a lot of people like her energy. She stands up to these white Republican men, but she doesn't have a clue about the reality of this nation, and she's hiding under the guise of being a, quote, woman of color. Uh, so, no, you're modern-day I mean, we, the whole issue of the lingo is important, whether it's lynching, whether it's murder, what it is. Was George Floyd lynched or was he simply massacred? And we could get into a whole debate about the language, but the fact is that black people are dying and nobody seems to care. I, since we're talking about, uh, you know, Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, Donald Trump is threatening uh, if he gets back into office, he's going to use the military to to quell the disturbances or, or the riots or, the, or whatever he calls it, what's going on in the inner cities. And he's also threatening to take over Washington, D.C., because he says he's just run amok. I want to get your thoughts on, on that. Well, he can say whatever he wants. Uh, the fact is there are two things. Number one, when he says these things, how do we respond? 
I'm very disgusted with many of our young people. They don't want to vote because they're mad. You know, I've never been in love with any candidate that I ever voted for, including President Obama. Uh, But I voted. I started voting. My first vote is in 1972. I wasn't in love with McGovern, but I voted for him because he was a Democrat and he was a lesser to evil. And that's what the Democratic process is about. So when these young people say they're not going to vote, are you willing to let somebody else determine your destiny? Really? Are you willing to let someone who's already told you what he's going to do? Trump has told you what he's going to do. Are you going to go along with that? No, Biden is not perfect. He's far from perfect. But frankly, without you being racial, what white man or woman is perfect? Hillary wasn't perfect. But I remember some of my young ladies that had been at college when I was president there telling me they couldn't vote for Hillary. And then as soon as, you know, the orange man got in, they started talking about what's going to happen to our abortion rights. At which point I had to tell them, look, I'm over 60. I don't have abortion rights. You should have thought about that when you said you couldn't vote for Hillary. Voting has consequences. Staying home has consequences. So Trump has told you what he's going to do. He's been very clear about it. If you're okay with that, don't vote. Let me ask you this, because at one time you told you tried to interview uh, Obama about reparations. How did that work out? <laughs> Didn't turn out too well. That was uh, 2004. Uh, we were at the Democratic Convention in Boston, and um, I had been granted 15 minutes with him. But, we you know, we did the black people thing, who you know, who you know, who you know. Um, whenever we meet and we don't know each other, we have to establish our bona fides. So, you know, Charles Ogletree was a dear friend. Derek Bell was a mentor. And we did all that. And so we chatted, and I got him on tape. I was working for Willie Gary's uh, TV station at the time. And uh, at some point, um, I said, what do you think about reparations? And he said, turn the camera off. So the cameraman had to turn the camera off, and he said he didn't want to talk about it. So, you know, it it was a sticky wicket for him. I understand President Obama in many ways. He's juggling. I mean, he was the president, not the black president. He was the president. So he had to satisfy white people, too. I don't blame him for his first term. I do blame him for his second term. I think in his second term, he could have done a lot more. What were they going to do? They couldn't vote him out. Yeah. Well, let me ask you real vote. quick, because we're running out of time. When, when he said, turn the cameras off, did he admonish you? Did he slap you down for asking that question? Or he just said, turn the cameras off and he give you that look? Turn, he, he, what he said was, you know, I can't talk about that. So mm. he, wasn't, he wasn't unkind, but he was clear. He wasn't going to talk about it. And so you you moved on and and, and left the, the reparations. Is we don't know what his, his thoughts about reparations. Well, at least you tried. Oh yeah, and the, you know, um, yeah. And <laughs> so I um, came back and wanted to get the you know wanted to get the raw footage, which we didn't give him. But I don't know where it is. Willie Gary has it somewhere. But uh, mm. yeah. Anyway. Dr. Malvo, again, thank you for sharing. We always have an interesting conversation when you come on. It's always too short, though, so we got to get you on the longer. So, because there's so many people wanting to talk to you as well, but we run, we're running late. Thank you again for joining us this morning. Absolutely, thank you for the opportunity, and you know, you can call me anytime. All right, thanks, Dr. Malvo. Family, we're out of here. Stay strong, stay positive, please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, six o'clock, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If we're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.